Hi, you're listening to Stefan Levera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin. Today for episode 289, we're talking about this idea of taking Bitcoin and Lightning Network to a billion users. And roast beef, Laulu Asuntakun, the CTO of Lightning Labs, rejoins me on the show to talk about this and updates on where the Lightning Network is today, what's going on with Lightning Labs and LND, and of course, how to take Bitcoin and Lightning to a billion users. So with Taproot coming in, we talk a little bit about the implications of this, as well as potential future upgrades such as AnyPrevOut, which will enable L2, enabling a much more advanced version of the Lightning Network. And how would it work if normally we're thinking of channels as a two of two situation? Well, what does that look like in a multi-party channel situation this show brought to you by swan bitcoin swan is the best way to accumulate bitcoin with automatic recurring buys and instant buys swan offer a really fast and cheap setup so you can automate your stacking plan if you've heard my recent episode with house you know the importance of automating your dca I like Swan's focus on education and content because the more you know, the more you buy. And Swan are also Bitcoin only, so there's no confusion with altcoins. This is the best place to send your pre-coiner and new-coiner friends. Also, if you're planning to buy more than $100,000 of Bitcoin over the next year, Swan Private Team is there to help you. They are there for anyone internationally, high net worth, corporates, business customers. Swan Private provides additional one-on-one guidance. You get a dedicated Bitcoin expert who's available for one-on-one calls. So go to swanbitcoin.com slash levera to set up your stacking plan or swanbitcoin.com slash private to start and sign up with Swan Private. Lend at HODL HODL is a peer-to-peer Bitcoin-backed lending platform, so you can lend stablecoins or borrow against your Bitcoin globally and anonymously. There's no KYC. So if you've got stablecoins like uh, USDT, you can lend that out on Lend at HODL HODL and earn an average of 25% APR. On the other hand, if you have Bitcoins and you need some fiat liquidity, well, now you can borrow against your Bitcoins. And you know there's no rehypothecation. You still hold one key in the two of three multisig. HODL HODL does not hold your funds. So Lend at HODL HODL allows peer-to-peer lending and borrowing directly between users. With this platform, you set your own terms and you put up offers depending on how long you want to borrow or lend and the interest rate you're looking to earn. Check it out, lend.hodlhodl.com. Are you interested to get involved with Bitcoin mining? Compass is an online marketplace making it easier for everyone to mine Bitcoin. The anti-cloud mining option, Compass allows you to buy your own ASIC and send it to a secure hosting facility at facilities that have been vetted by the Compass team around the world. So for years we heard mining was only profitable if you're investing tons of money and that if you had really cheap industrial power rates. Well now Compass is making it easy for everyone to tap into those economies of scale so you can access reasonably priced hardware and cheap industrial power rates. So if you're unsure about how to get started, Compass offer hardware and hosting bundles which eliminates the need for advanced technical knowledge. You can quickly get started mining Bitcoin with hardware that you own. Visit them at compassmining.io and start mining Bitcoin today. On to the show with Lalu. Lalu, welcome back to the show. What's up? What's up? It's good to be back. It's, uh, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, man. You, there has been so much going on in the lightning world. We are seeing an entire nation state that may be coming on to the lightning network. I'm sure <laughs> that must be very gratifying. I mean, I think of you and you know my friends Rusty and Christian Decker. You guys are some of the mm-hmm. architects of this thing. So it must be very gratifying for you to see what's happening now. 
Oh, no, definitely. I mean, it was also like a surprise to me because I remember like I, I was at like, the Miami conference and like I was talking to people, they're like, okay, like you, you make sure you stick around to the end. They have a really cool announced for Stripe, yada, yada. I was like, okay, well, let's, let's see what it actually is. And I think I was like back at like my hotel room and I saw it like on the live show. I was like, oh, this is for real. Like what? And then, you know, I, I started reading a little more into it. I saw like, the presentation uh, the president gave as well to kind of explain Bitcoin, you know, one on one to their citizens, like directly, like natively in Spanish, things like that. I was like, okay, well, this is like, you know, one of those things where it's like, okay, things just like accelerated. Like, oh, so it's always kind of a thing where it's like somewhat like, you know, worrying and nervous. Like, okay, can we really keep up with it? Like, are we ready to like, you know, you know, pass the, the, the get the ball? Like, are we going to drop it? Things like that. But definitely like a massive opportunity. So, you know, couldn't be more excited about this. And just generally for, you know, people to start using Bitcoin, uh, you know, more and more around the world, get to more and more users basically, and like, you know, make sure this is like a real thing actually happening out there. Uh, so yeah, so it's super different, I think. Yeah, this is so cool. And we, you know, we have maybe a, an, an enthusiast lightning community of call it a couple, you know, say 20,000 or maybe a bit more than that people who are <laughs> maybe they run a lightning node or they used a lightning wallet and, and maybe more than that, you know, but now we're talking about six and a half million Salvadorans who are going to be <laughs> using the lightning network. Now, in fairness, it's going to start small, it might only be yeah, yeah, 25% yeah. of them. And okay, fine, many of them might be using the custodial Chivo wallet, but it's a start <laughs> and they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna get into it and hopefully then over time they will come down their own rabbit hole journey and learn about bitcoin and the lightning network and uh, you know i look in fairness for many of them they'll just use the app and that's it that's as far as they'll exactly. go but then mm-hmm. it's like it's interesting now because it's like wow what how you know what's it going to look like when we have this many more people coming into the bitcoin and the lightning network mm-hmm. no definitely yeah because you know i think what you're saying as well like you know people probably just use the app initially but i think like you know at least for me like my first bitcoin wallet was coinbase I didn't know anything, you know, I had my, my, my coins there, like I kind of like learned over time. So, you know, I, I you know, I kind of like reject the notion that, okay, well, just because they're using custodial wallet doesn't mean they're actually using Bitcoin. It's like, well, everyone starts somewhere basically, right? Uh, and it's also a thing where it's like, you know, they're using it to kind of like, you know, solve their initial problem, maybe remittances or payments or referrals. And then like maybe over time, they'll kind of like get into, you know, more and more of what's actually going on there, what's, what's about there. I think the big thing is obviously is like, okay, well, you know, now people have like a choice, which is obviously the bigger thing where, you know, people haven't really had that, you know, choice as far as their money, monetary system before. So I think that's going to be really, a really big deal. But, you know, but I guess, you know, as far as like the tooling, so you know, one thing I'll think about okay, well, you know, obviously like all, you know, our stuff typically is in the English language. So, you know, we need to like, you know, start to like do translations, like the wallets. And I think that's the other thing as well. Like, you know, trying to find like, the proper analog of certain like technical terms, like, you know, how do you say force close in Spanish? I don't, you know, I don't really know. But, you <laughs> yeah. know I'm, sure, I'm sure the moon people, you know, are figuring it out as well too. I think that's another cool thing because like, you know, there's a pretty like large developer community already in, you know, Latin America and South America. You have like the RSK people, Moon, Ripio, a bunch of other developers that are working there as, as well too. So, you know, so it's not as if like, you know, we need to go in there and like, you know, educate them and show what's up. You know, they have like a pretty large community already that's there. And I'm sure they're really excited about this opportunity on their own end too. So, you know, now we're really getting towards, you know, so, you know, like a small way towards building users, but definitely kind of like a, like a really cool, like, you know, pilot basically. I'm also hearing that I think people are looking to maybe even like do like small pilots like this elsewhere around the world, maybe in the Philippines, there's Africa, things like that as well too. So I think one of the really interesting parts about this is that, okay, well, like, you know, now like, because the big thing obviously with Lightning, like, can you actually make kind of like a circular economy actually happen, right? Because if that's the case, then you basically never need to go back to the main chain. I'm getting paid, you know, in Bitcoin over Lightning, I'm getting my paycheck i'm like you know particular other people i'm actually you know uh, buying you know things as well too i think it's a, re- a really big thing there because now all of a sudden like you know the money's like moving around in the system I guess one thing that people don't get at times, you know, they will try to convert, you know, compare like, okay, well, you know, DeFi has 100x more, you know, locked into Lightning, blah, blah, blah. But like the thing here is that like, you know, number one, there's kind of like the network effect. So every single link actually kind of like, you know, is more and more additive to basically what's going on there. And the other thing there is too, like you next like, you know, reuse the capital, right? For example, like, you know, I was like looking at my stats, like my note today, I think I have like, you know, 0.25, you know, BTC from 5 million Satoshis on my note itself. And then like, I look over the past six months and I've done, you know, like over four BTC in routing, right? So that's like an 8x reuse, you know, in my capital alone. So it's kind of a thing where 
it's like, you know, I also don't really do much. I just like, it sits there, like, I'm, you know, I do development, things like that. I check every now and then, but I think it just shows, okay, well, you know, things are moving around in the network itself. So, so therefore, like, you know, even if you have like a small amount of, you know, or like, you know, millions of dollars of rubber capacity in there, you potentially do a lot more because you basically get that reuse. Now, I think it's all about that reuse, basically. Uh, and this is what people, you know, kind of like miss at times. And there's the whole like energy flood thing, blah, blah, blah. But it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, those like 10,000 transactions I did over the past few months, that never hit the chain. Uh, and that was basically just like my computer, you know, that's like right here, like below here, that's not really attributing to any like crazy, you know, boiling the oceans, you know, thing, whatever else. Like, so, but no, yeah, I'm definitely super excited about this. It's one of the things, again, where it's just, it's like, damn, like, it almost felt like surreal for a little bit. Cause I, remember, I was actually like on vacation when all the news dropped. So I was like kind of disconnected, kind of, you know, talking to people and this message to me. He's like, yo, like, I know you're on vacation, but like, this just happened. Blah, blah. I was like, okay, okay, are right, you working on it? Working on it. But uh, no, definitely super excited about it all. That's cool. And yeah, it's a great point there around the TVL stat that really it's a bit misleading because really <laughs> we are growing a network here. It would be like looking at the first days of email and then saying, oh, look, I can only email a thousand other people. That's not that useful. Well, nowadays you can email pretty much anyone. And so it's the same kind of thing. As more and more people come into the Lightning Network, now you can stay in Lightning and you don't mm-hmm. have to go to Chain. And so it's it's all about, and I think that's where maybe the Lightning skeptics don't quite see eye to eye with, say, the views that you and I have because Mm -hmm. they are thinking, oh, look, every time someone has to pay me, they have to open a channel to me. But it's like, no, think of it more like once you have set up your node and Mm -hmm. you've got the channels going, you can mostly stay off chain, mostly, right? Exactly, exactly, yeah. And I think the other thing with the TVL stuff is that, like, you know, many times it's like double and even triple count, right? Because, like, you know, the things like this protocols kind of like have like recap authentication built in directly into what's happening, right? So, you know, I lock up this thing, I got a token for that, I lock that up, I get a token, right? So, like, you know, I can just like thread through my money 10 or 5 or 10 times, like really inflate all that stuff. Like, in this case, it's like, okay, well, you know, this is actually what's, uh, you know, they're, they're publicly. The other thing that misses, obviously, like, even though, like, you know, we've had like pretty, you know, good growth over the past like year or so, lighting itself, it also misses, like, you're saying, all the private channels. There's people like on the mobile nodes, you know, all the people using, you know, Breeze, Phoenix, um, moon everything else as well like you know those people aren't really reflected there but it's kind of the thing where it's like you know at the end of the day like you know my mind like even like the actual public network doesn't even really need to be that big because at the same time what's really important is basically like you know can you ride around failures basically and then also is there a single point of failure or not right anything else is like okay well you know the the, 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 the kind of like the barrier to entry is just so low that like now we also have a global competition as well too anyone that has a, you know computer and some money basically hop into this thing and then start using it as well too so I, that's i'm not really you know i've always ignored the whole like oh it's gonna be centralized blah blah well look at it right now you know i, I think to the point now where if you wanted to kind of like you know even draw all the edges you know in the graph it's one of the things where it's like okay your rendering might slow down you <laughs> know just because there's just so many other connections there, right? So, uh, so I mean, I think people, you definitely cannot underestimate like the power of the network effect itself. And, you know, every single node coming on basically, you know, is more and more additive. And you're kind of like, as like, you know, you know beyond kind of like, you know, linear, uh, you know, value to uh, what's going on to, every, uh, to people actually using it as of today. Yeah. And as an ecosystem, we're getting more and more exchanges coming online, right? So probably one of the mm-hmm. leaders with was Bitfinex. Now Kraken have said they're coming online with Lightning soon. Mm-hmm. I know OKCoin mm-hmm. have it. I think OKX have it. Some of the smaller yeah. Changes, coin corner have it uh even like mm-hmm. a mining uh one of the mining pools i think was it nice hash you're offering mining payouts on lightning oh yeah yeah nice hash has it i think maybe i've been seeing like flush ask some questions on like the, the slack i think maybe they're looking to add it as well too um but you know i think it's kind of a thing where like you know 
uh, you know, we definitely talked to all these people like a very, like many years ago, but it's kind of the thing where it's like, okay, well, I know we're not really quite ready yet. I don't want to kind of like, you know, overpromise and like, you know, have it not really work out as well too. And then maybe they're kind of like have other parties as well too. It's also kind of the same thing where, okay, like when we're both ready, it'll just kind of like happen. And that's what happened basically. Like, for example, with OKCoin, okay like, you know, we were on like their Telegram talking to them a little bit, like, okay, like we're going live in two weeks. Like, oh, okay, that's cool. So I think it's also kind of like you know, validating that people can like, you can go from zero to one without really having much handholding, right? Like, you know, they have like, you know, pretty competent engineers themselves where we get it going get together, get together pretty quickly. And obviously now they're seeing like a lot of savings as well too. I think Bitfinex was saying like, you know, they added like a 0.9 BTC payment. Someone ran a one BTC payment to like try like one up them as well too. So it's kind of a thing where it's like, you know, uh, naysayers can say it's not happening, but like my node, you know, is routing, you know, like a multiple BTC, you know, every like month or two. So it's definitely happening. It's one of the things where it's like, you know, because there isn't like a global, uh, you know, log of everything happening, you basically need to be tapped into in order to actually see what's going on, which is fine because it's kind of like, okay, well, you, you know, there's no shortcuts basically, right? Uh, and obviously I think over time people were, you know, to aggregate more data and things like that as well too. But I think everyone's actually tapped into the network because like, okay, well, you know, our numbers are going up. This is happening. Uh, like, you know, things are working, you know, better and better over time. There's more exploration, more kind of application level development as well too. And then we have like, you know, potentially now some, you know, pretty significant like on the ground, you know, adoption for these people as well too. Uh, but, you know, it's always a thing where it's like, you know, the work stuff is never done. People always say, okay, is it still in beta? Blah, blah. It's like, I mean, like, you know, except for example, like, you know, even Bitcoin D itself up until like a year or so had the beta tag, quote unquote. But it's the kind of a thing where it's like, you know, it comes up kind of perpetual beta where it's like software is never done. There's always new challenges, always new things to overcome as well too. So it's something that's just like an ongoing thing. And we definitely made a lot of progress and come a long way you know, everyone uh, over the ecosystem, all the developers, all the, um, you know, wallets, everything like that as well, too. I think also in particular, wallets have gotten a lot better over the past year or two, you know, because like, you know, obviously there are kind of like a, uh, you know, a number of like, kind of like onboarding UX challenges. But I think, you know, now the current iteration of the wallets, like it's, it's pretty good. Like, you know, things like Phoenix, Breeze, Moon, these other ones as well, they kind of like abstract things away. And then also like start to like even, you know, modify the protocol in slight ways to basically make the UX a little bit more seamless. So, you know, maybe like you receive the open channel on the fly, things like that as well too. So I think it kind of just shows the power of like, you know, this like, you know, ground up like innovation, basically people working amongst themselves, solving their own problems versus this kind of like, you know, top down saying, hey, this is how we do this and this and this. It's kind of okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll do the base stuff. You let, let us know what you need. You do over there. You know, you basically like kind of like, you know, go towards your addition, your user base. And that's just kind of like, you know, what we're seeing here uh, in terms of all the innovation going on, which is super exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. So just for listeners who might be trying to catch a breath here, if you are <laughs> basically if you're new, you can just start out with one of the phone wallets like uh, Lalu was mentioning. So things like Phoenix or Moon or Breeze are all easy wallets where they kind of manage it all in the background for you. And then for the more advanced level users, you have other wallets that allow that you might be using to connect back with your own home node or to a VPS mm -hmm. node or some node proper like computer that you've got set up. And that's where you might mm -hmm. be using, say, the likes of Zeus or Zap or other um, wallets. And then mm -hmm. what we're talking about now is also that the network is growing and it's becoming, you know, we're seeing more and more volume, but it's just not that there's any top-down statistics to show, oh, this is how many payments went across the Lightning Network because that doesn't exist. So it kind of has to be inferred out by either knowing people in the space or looking at maybe some of the data from, say, say the likes of a company like BitRefill where you can buy vouchers using the Lightning Network or companies like Bit Bitfinex who are one of the big exchanges who support Lightning. So that's kind of where we're seeing uh, a lot of this growth happen right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no definitely yeah. definitely and like you know we're also seeing, we're also you know kind of like seeing uh, kind of like the public facing growth as well which are basically things like node count talent count number you know amount that's actually like in the network as well too so th those things are always definitely going up because I, I think now it's also driven by people like you know coming in to like do new you know novel activity for example like the podcasting stuff where you're getting tipped on it or they're doing um you know uh they're they're buying like things like tip cards as well too and also like you know like, other new applications popping up uh you know on, on the side i think people also starting to see okay well you know the fees are down right now well, i guess you know there were a week 
week or so ago before <laughs> before this like backlog of the hash rate things like that let me open my channels now as well too there's gonna be a thing where it's like you know you can say it's like an advantageous thing to do to kind of like open up channels maybe even optimistically or preemptively basically just just so you can actually you know be able to transact uh, if things are being disrupted uh, on chain for whatever reason yeah that's an interesting point around how the recent hash rate shifts can impact people who are using Lightning because, as you know, you know but just for listeners, part of our mm-hmm. security model when we're using Lightning is that we need to be able to, uh, you know, be able to go back to chain if we need to. And I guess that's kind of getting into maybe the more adversarial aspects of it and maybe uh, operating Lightning in a high fee environment. So I'm wondering <laughs> if you've got any maybe opening thoughts there on how Lightning Network looks when we are operating in, say, a higher fee Bitcoin on-chain environment, i.e., let's say that the fee for you know going on-chain might be $20 or $30 per time mm-hmm, per mm-hmm. chain usage. What does mm-hmm. that look like for Lightning users? Uh, yeah, super good question. So, you know, at that point, you can say, like, the individuals that kind of, like, um, you know, opened up channels initially kind of, like, have, like, you can say, like, kind of, like, prime real estate, right? They're, they're kind of, like, you know, they're on, like, the whole kind of gold rush thing. They're, they're already kind of, like, you know, in place there. I think the other interesting effect there would be kind of, like, you know, the effect of, like, off-chain fees relative to on-chain fees, right? Because you can say, okay, well, in a given moment, maybe the on-chain fees should basically serve as a ceiling, but that, those go up as well, too. Maybe occasionally, maybe, like, Lightning fees go up as well, because now it's kind of, like, uh, something that's, you know, a little more, like, in higher demand there. Uh, I think another important thing, something that, you know, we've been working on, you know, people like Antoine and other people as well, kind of like, you know, basically trying to like, you know, game out all the different ways that like things can go wrong when you try to go to the mempool. You know, so things like, okay, maybe like my, my track is being pinned for some reason, maybe like RBF, you know, messing things up on the side or whatever else is something that, you know, definitely like a pretty important area of research. And, uh, you know, for example, in, in recent version of LND, we enabled something, something called anchor channels, uh, which basically, you know, by default, which basically allows you, you know, to kind of like, you know, bump your fee, uh, you know, after the fact, right? Because the things otherwise, before you kind of like have to like guess what the fee would be. So let's like, you know, the fees right now for the next block is like, you know, 20 cents a byte. I basically would say, okay, I'm going to use that, right? But then if I go offline, that goes way up. There's no way for me to update that without like cooperating with the other party, right? But in this case, you know, I can kind of like use like uh, something called you know child fee for parent to basically like create a transaction that increases the fee of another one. Uh, and I think we're definitely seeing you know this become a lot more widespread over the community over the community as well too. One thing I've seen, I think you know even explorers now basically show kind of like what the like uh, aggregate fee will be basically. So I have, like create transactions, they're each five sided byte, maybe the aggregate fee is like two sided byte, right? There's definitely like, an important thing going forward. Uh, and I think we're also working on a number of things around LND. For example, like you know uh, there's something called like a you know you probably feel like why there's kind of like a CLCV delay basically for like multi-hop payments right so it should be the case where like you know if fees are going up you probably want to increase that because that's kind of like your security parameter to make sure you're getting into the into the chain in time so we're definitely working on things like that and kind of like you know making sure we have like you know things like more dynamic fee bumping uh and and, and stuff like that as well too i think one other really important thing you know as you can say like and maybe the chains become more desperate, or chain fees going up. Things like, you know, like batch channel openings, so basically the ability to open, you know, end channels and single transactions, that's super important because that basically saves you, you know, a lot of money when you're actually, you know, transacting on chain. Because rather than like doing, you know, end transactions, you basically do one. I think other things, you know, definitely something that like um I think is probably one of the things I'm kind of like, you know, focus on now. Come like research perspective, also in particular, do some of the outsider stuff is okay, like how do we actually make multi-party channels work in practice, right? Because I think something, you know, I was saying on Twitter the other day, it's like, okay, well, you know, it's kind of a reality where everyone probably can't have like a root UTX. So we're talking about like a billion, you know, plus users. Basically. So how do we kind of like, you know, let a thousand people go into one UTXO, you know, a hundred thousand people go into one UTXO, right? So I think it's a thing where like, you know, this has always been possible, you know, in theory, but I think, uh, you know, kind of like as we work on things like pool, I started to kind of like, you know, realize some of the kind of like you know, practical kind of like engineering challenges around stuff like that. But I think if we're able to achieve that, that's obviously really cool because all of a sudden, you know, rather than like every single payment being routed across like the public network itself, you kind of like have these kind of like, you know, subnets basically, right? So like, you know, let's say, you know, the, 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 like 10 of us are basically in this kind of like channel ourselves. We can run our brains ourselves. And at the same time, you know, if we really need to, let's say we want to like go to like the subnet and 
Los Angeles, where we can basically route, you know, across that. This is kind of like more similar to how like the internet works, where obviously like, you know, you and I are, let's say we're using something like Comcast, like an ISP in the, in the internet, you know, we kind of like can route within their network, but we need to go to, you know, something like AT&T, we kind of like, you know, go through the public internet, uh, things like BGP as well too. So I think we're definitely heading in that direction just because, because uh, I feel like the, the public graph only really needs to be so large and you, you definitely get a lot of savings because the thing is, if you're able to kind of like, um, you know, correlate or co-locate, you know, kind of like things that have like, you know, locality of, of the payments, either from use case perspective or even geographically, you save a lot because then at that point, you basically need to only do routing if you need to kind of like go across some other locale, basically. And the other cool thing about that is then like, you know, we can then have like the payments within like a particular kind of like sub-locale sub or like subnet, just ha just having a little more seamlessly. And then maybe there's even the possibility of kind of like doing offline payments within that locale as well, too. I think definitely it will be like a really big thing going forward to basically, you know, make sure we're actually able to, you know, bring in all these other users in a seamless manner. Yeah, right. So let's try to break some of the, those aspects down. I think the important part sure, sure. is um, the, I think probably the key part is the constraint, as you were saying, literally, mm -hmm. if, you know, if, just for listeners who aren't familiar, there's literally, a, if, you, if, if you will, an upper bound on how many people can hold a coin, UTXO, unspent transaction output. And so what mm -hmm. you're talking about there is how do we find ways to sort of batch that? Now, I guess one way is even literally just more like a lightning bank, right? So even mm -hmm. say Bitcoin Beach, El Zonte, Nicholas, mm -hmm. Berti, the from Galois Money was talking about how, just as an example, they mm -hmm. had the Bitcoin Beach wallet and they've got thousands of users there. I think he put some stats out the other day saying he had done 7,000 transactions of which only 14 had to actually go on chain. So that's one mm, way, that's but obviously cool. mm -hmm. that's custodial. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what I think what you're talking about here is more like how would we en enable it in a way that's you know a little bit more closer to the non-custodial side, um, uh -huh. right? Um, so yeah, could, yeah. You, could you explain a little bit around, I guess, maybe like what that UTXO constraint is and how we would mm -hmm. you know what what what's the technology that we would need to go above and beyond where we are now sure no definitely definitely oh uh, yeah you know i definitely think kind of like the whole like you know, community bank stuff like bitcoin beach is pretty interesting because like you know i feel like uh you know at the end of the day it's kind of like a federated coin lease type of thing right okay well you know people aren't really kind of like you know, more directly locked into there you can kind of like you know route amongst other individuals as well too and you kind of like have the interoperability to basically deal with the off-chain transactions between other other big people so i think it's really interesting uh but you know i guess the, the part about like uh the kind of like the constraints remember like um dang it's like in like 2015, 2016 or so, like, you know, Taj, uh, you know, Driver kind of like had this analogy called kind of like the bathtub, right? Kind of like the Bitcoin bathtub. On one side, basically like the box are like, you know, super tiny and like, you know, only a few individuals, uh, you know, can actually validate the thing. On the other side, like the box are like super large, but then at the same time, because they're so big, people can't even really, really do the validation there, right? So, so where I, you know, kind of like say like this whole UTX or trade thing comes into play is that you can like, you know, look at just kind of like the bath back of the envelope map as far as like having like a billion people, you know, actually, uh, you know, onboard into Bitcoin, like serially, you can say them doing like one transaction a day, like it would take basically like years, right? Right? But then at the same time as well, too, if you look at kind of like the you know, marginal addition of any individual on like the UTXO set, UTXO set database itself, it starts to get very, very large, like, you know, gigabytes, terabytes even as well, too. So those are kind of like constraints where like, you know, thing, if things get too big, it's, it can be a case that like either, you know, you like you basically need to like wait in line for two years to join Bitcoin, you know, kind of like a weird, you know, like, you know you're queuing up basically everything, or you can join it, but then you need some like massive, you know, computer base to keep up with things as, as well, right? So now like the district is saying, okay, well, like, you know, what if you can kind of like, you know, have people be compressed into like a single output right so like you know, vanilla you know things like you know right now we basically have like two of us right so it's a two of two we can move money back and forth right so then you say okay well what if it was a three of three right okay now at that point like you know the three of us can do payments by just like updating our balances like i propose a state the three of us sign it, then go things like that right but then once you once you start to go in that direction you start to run into challenges as far as like 
you know, kind of like the communication complexity of the messages, right? Because now it's okay, well, the three of us each need to like send each other and receive a message in order to do the proposal, right? But then as you start to go into hundred, a thousand things like that as well, too, you start to get this kind of like, you know, like N squared, you know, type of like, you know, complexity as far as like messages being pa passed back and forth as well, too. So then, you know, people in the past, things like channel factors or channel factors, okay, well, you know, what if we have kind of like a root multi sig that's everyone in the root multi sig, but at the same time, we kind of like have like a tree structure, right? So first we have like the, the three of three, then we break that up into basically the combinations of every single two of two amongst, uh, amongst ourselves, right? Okay, that's your cool thing now. Because now we can update the channels once again with that, that limited overhead, which is the, the, the two of us passing together. At the same time, we can then say, okay, well, I want to like, you know, go more into Stefan's channel. Let me do kind of like a rebalance overhead there, right? Then you can kind of like, you know, generalize that, you know, to basically more and more participants. So, so one thing is that like, um, so the reason why people are really excited about things like L2 is that it kind of like makes certain parts of this things a little bit easier, right? Because otherwise, like uh, with the revocation model, if you want to like, you know, do revocation of like 10 people, there's some questions around kind of like, okay, well, you know, if someone breaches, who gets the money? But then also kind of like, you know, what if I breach, then they breach, and then we breach and then you know that type of thing there's this kind of like you know blow up as far as like the number of like safety needs to handle while the l2 model kind of like you know it's uh, i like to call it more generic kind of like you know replace by version rather than like replace by revocation we basically okay you say okay well i would promise not to broadcast that if I, if I do i get punished we basically say okay well you know the the, the highest sequence number is basically the one that's most valid this is a little bit easier because now the templates can basically you know kind of like have the state then move forward and you know it's also a little bit uh more um simple because you kind of like have a symmetric state as well too there's no longer a version of the transaction for every single participant which makes things a little bit easier uh in that domain right so they're just kind of like high level certain like you know kind of like uh you know challenges that people need to need to kind of like you know grapple with i definitely think you know um so i, I think it's the case where I think if you try to like put too many, like at least with the current tools we have available today, if you try to like, you know, put too many individuals, maybe it doesn't really scale, but then you can say, okay, well, maybe we'll have like a thousand person per channel, right? Uh, and then at that point, we can kind of like, you know, have, and basically, you know, kind of like shard that out, quote unquote, basically to have like, you know, a series of these and then actually like have payments, you know, work between them, but then also uh, within the channels as well. Two of the, these are things I've been talking about in the wild. I think Z has an idea. He calls call, calls them like nodelets. Uh, you know, this is like ZM something. Z I can't remember what the actual But yeah, Z Man, yeah, yeah, synonymous de uh, developer. Uh, so I, I, I think it's the thing where where like over time, I think something is going to become increasingly more important. I think the other cool thing about this is that like, um, you know, if you're able to make this stuff work out, you can then also improve the UX a lot more, right? Because now at this point, it's like, okay, well, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, the thing is like, if you're standing next to me, I give you a $10 bill, I know you're going to get it, right? I don't have to worry about, you know, it falling, you know, along the way, right? But you can say, okay, when you go in the writing context, something can happen, maybe the door is closed, maybe someone, you know, took seven, they should take five or whatever else. So if you can kind of like, you know, analogize that say, okay, well, if we're in the same channel, I know I can just, you know, push that over to you on that end. But at the same time, if I need to interact with someone, that like not in like our you know a club or a guild or kind of like you know a close friend group basically i can then go and then route it elsewhere and i think it's then it will start to resemble basically like how the internet works today as far as like you kind of like have these autonomous systems you know they they kind of like you know have isps within them they have like providers uh you know stuff like that and then you kind of like have these exchange points and that exchange point you know in the setting of lightning is basically these public routing channels yeah okay so it's i guess it thinking about lightning as it exists today part of how it works is mm -hmm. you know as an example if i set the channel up with you we trade each other back and forward the pre-signed states and then if, exactly. if 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 we ever need to go to chain unilaterally either side of us can publish mm -hmm. that to the blockchain to bitcoin and yep. blah 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 right yep. but then what you're talking about mm -hmm. is how do we get that beyond just two of two two people how do we create exactly. that kind of arrangement for three people or five people or a hundred uh -huh. or a thousand uh -huh. people. And, exactly. Uh, exactly. And, and then, so as you were saying, the complexity associated with that, given the current technology we have is very difficult. Uh, but hopefully when, once we get things like any prev out and uh, potentially is it CTV as well, uh, comp, uh, check, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. check template verify where mm -hmm. um, they, that can enable this kind of thing. So I guess maybe, yeah. Right. And so for listeners as well, 
check out episode 200 with Christian Decker. We went into detail on AnyProvout and what that kind of enables in the L2 space. Uh, but from, yeah, so from uh, your perspective then, what what are the logical next upgrades to Bitcoin that would enable this kind of future? Like, are you looking at L- AnyProvout mm-hmm. and CTV mm-hmm. or what's what are you what are you looking at? Uh, good question. Good question. I mean, so I, I guess like, you know, I feel like at times people like uh, get into like some weird discourse as far as like what's next. This is the next thing we're going to do this. But like, you know, I, I like how my viewers more kind of like holistically. It's like, okay, well, you know, if you want to get to this goal of like a billion users, like any one of those things in isolation is nice and incrementally, but like, you know, maybe just really like allow us to like really achieve what we want to, like, you know, do overall. Right. So I think there's this concept like kind of like, you know, which I like try to use as kind of like an example is like, Something that like uh, you know Jeremy Rubin, uh, you know Antoine and Glebin and other people were kind of, kind of like concept of, like basically like payment pools, right? So like you know rather than like having like one individual or two individuals kind of like in a channel, let's try to like, basically have a set of individuals, right? And like you know the the area where you always run challenges, okay, well you know like how do you allow any given individual to basically withdraw unilaterally from the pool without needing to update? Or notify any of the other individuals as well too, right? So you know, if everyone's online, they can sign a new state, blah, blah blah. But how do I make sure I kind of like have that unilateral withdrawal? And that's also like a big thing with Lightning is okay. Well, at any point I want to, I can always just force close, boom, everything's fine, take my money. So there's kind of like some challenges around like how do we you know achieve things like that? So you know, I definitely you know obviously no one puts you know amazing. I remember like I wrote like a very early version of it like 2015 or so because because I think the one thing is that like um why it's so valuable is that whenever you're off chain, like uh you maybe you need to kind of like you know deal with a bunch of impossibilities, right? And those possibilities are typically expressed in form of a TXID and Therefore, it means like my signature. I basically need you know new signature raising possibility, right? But then like things like no one would say, okay, well, you know, let me just kind of like categorize this thing where it's okay the three of us, and then no matter what happened before, that can like, kind of like retain that signature. So once again, it kind of like you know helps to reduce kind of like complexity, and then also kind of like you know uh, you know like space footprint things like that in, in terms of like getting the protocols uh, working. So stuff like CTV is also really important because for example like um. This just would let you do kind of like, you know, things like uh, like batch op- batch channel opening on like a very like massive scale, right? So like, you know, the one little trick with CTV is you basically say you, you kind of like publish one transaction and then it kind of like has like a, you know, what I call like like a bounded covenant basically that commits to every single possible state. And then once you know that's in the chain, that lets you basically move forward, you know, with everything else. So, so I basically like have like one transaction on chain and I know that eventually these 300 channels will open, you know, eventually, right? And the cool thing about that too is that like, you know, once, once that transaction published on chain, you can basically start to use those other channels like off chain immediately, right? Because even though they don't have direct confirmation themselves, it's kind of a thing where it's like, you know, it must follow. Right, where it's like you know maybe it's going to take a while, but the, but things must follow from there, uh, which is definitely really, really valuable thing. Uh, other stuff I think is you know definitely important, uh, you know, for moving forward. Things like texting on stack, kind of like the ability to like you know verify an arbitrary signature message pair, which sounds like very simple and obviously something that we do already. Like you know we've done a bunch of work, you know, people around like optimized signatures, new approach things like that as well too. But things like that would let you do really cool things. For example, like one thing I've been turning around with is like, okay, you know, um, it's kind of like a concept. Uh, I just uh, jumping around a little bit, kind of like one thing I think is very important is kind of like off chain channel funding, right? So once again, this is about around the constraint of, okay, well, how do we onboard a million people onto Lightning today? So obviously, like the vanilla way is basically, we, have, we need like maybe a million transactions, maybe we can bash that, maybe we can get 200,000, 300,000, whatever else, but that's still very slow, very expensive, right? So what is possible for me to basically join a channel off chain, right? And, and the reason why this is kind of challenging is, okay, like, uh, so I mentioned a little bit earlier, so like, let's say like, you know, we have that three of three, uh, you know, multi between you, me, and, uh, you know, someone else, like your friend, right? Let's say we, we want to like, you know, have Bob join the channel. So things, you know, Bob can join the channel, let's say we basically make a new output for him, basically like, you know, deliver input to the channel output itself, but because he's not in the three three multi-sig, we can just spend that again and remove his output. Right. So, so he, you know, see, so he needs to trust one of us basically in order to like not do that thing itself. So I think that, so I think like, uh, that's probably okay in many cases, you know, depending on the trust model. Once again, like, you know, there's definitely like a great, you know, uh, you know, noob and advanced users as well too. But, you know, it's the kind of things like, you know, ideally we can basically make that like work in a more direct setting. So one thing I've been turning around with is basically, 
you know, what, what if I have like, uh, you know, kind of like like some coins on chain, right? Like these, these are coins I'm kind of like confronting up, kind of like a bond concept, right? But then let's like, you know, whenever Bob joins, I basically do kind of like a, you know, like a fair exchange type protocol, script, script, script type stuff, whatever else, basically give him what's effectively like a voucher that lets him claim that on-chain output, right? So therefore, even though we've done no transactions on-chain, he basically has a good enough claim on that on-chain output, basically. And then maybe we'll be comfortable to using this output, uh, you know, off-chain, and then we go from there as well, too. And, you know, it seems like in my mind, the things you need to do that are kind of like, you know, more, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, you can say covenants that allow kind of like partial, um, uh, you know, partial application, right? So, so, so let's say I had like, like a contract on chain, basically, and the contract said, okay, well, if roast beef signs a message with your public key and an amount, you can withdraw that amount from this output, basically, and you must thread back, you know, the amount uh, that's remainder there to everyone else, right? So all of a sudden, now you, I can, you can basically give me, you know, we do this like protocol off chain, I get kind of like a signature over this message, basically, and the contract can then parse that message and then do things like that. Uh, and I think it's, you know, it's definitely super powerful. It's like I am as view is this is like one of the things that like, I I think you know we really need in Bitcoin to basically you know do more advanced smart contract, contract functionality, and uh, you know I think you know I think a good way people describe it because maybe it sounds a little scary. It's kind of like okay, you know we have like, like a state machine, right? You know basically the states are you know deposit withdrawal, challenge, things like that, right? You, you can kind of like, you know, draw a similar thing for things like Lightning, basically, okay, channel's opening, it's closing, forest closed, CSV, things like that as well, too. This would let you kind of like, you know, encode that state machine, uh, you know, in the uh, in the Bitcoin script itself and like have that just run even non-interactively, right? So like yeah, in the future, let's, let's like, you know, once, once again, like another toy example, let's say I have like a, like a very like basic covenant, basically it takes a public key and a hash and then goes to another state. Right. And then that another state, basically, you need to reveal the premise that it hash. And the final stage is basically, you know, it's like a coin flip. Right. So all of a sudden, now I can basically make this contract on chain. It's the coin flip contract. And then people can kind of like interact with that, uh, you know, non interactively themselves. Right. Um, and so I, I think some people, you know, get worried about stuff like this. Okay. Is it too much? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I guess in my mind, because you can always kind of like, you know, draw like the actual like finite state machine of the thing itself, it's a lot less scary than something like another chain. So one of the issues with other chains is like, you know, you kind of like have like basically global state. But then you also have like a, a state where like, you know, any contract can basically call any other contract uh, very directly, right? So like, you know, let's say I want to do like a withdrawal. I call withdrawal. I don't know what, what's happening there, basically. It's a black box for me. I'm like, okay, well, Jesus, take the wheel. Don't, don't steal my money, right? You know? but, you know, but in this case, you know, because I, I know exactly what the contract can do, it's a lot more understandable. You know, even though it's, uh, you know, a lot more constrained, it's still, I think, is immensely powerful, basically. I think, I think it's almost like, you know, just where I'm thinking kind of like really like a prerequisite for us to kind of like, you know, create these more kind of like elaborate, you know, kind of like, um, you know, like ownership structures on chain, basically, that still, once again, allows the most important thing, can I withdraw my money? And, uh, you know, you always need to have that in there because otherwise you're going to have with things like, okay, well, my money's stuck in the contract. Are they going to hard work and, you know, help me get out? Like, you know, we definitely want to avoid that stuff. We don't want, you know, uh, you know, just people like losing money left and right. So, you know, it, it may take some time to kind of like, you know, get towards that golden design. But I think, you know, definitely we shouldn't um, try to like do everything all at once, basically, and postpone these things. Like, once again, I feel like, uh, you know, not that there's like time pressure, but it's just kind of the thing where it's like, you know, it is feasible to miss opportunity in the short term and then maybe it rises in the mid long term, but it's not really clear, right? So definitely like things like, you know, no input, CTV, tech for stack, things like that as well. Just what are just seem to be like very easy wins, you know, right now to give us time to basically like, you know, do a lot of the background research, but at the same time, you know, kind of like empower, you know, developers to basically make more elaborate things on chain basically. And then from there on, once again, we have this kind of like, you know, very iterative evolutionary process where people just kind of like do their own things. You know, this whole like permissionless, permissionless invasion thing where like, you know, someone's probably going to come up with something that you had no idea it was impossible. They're like, oh, 
that's cool. And then you work on that. And that's kind of like you know, what I think is so cool about Bitcoin, open source, uh, and just the space in general, just like how creative people are and how much you can do just because, you know, because I, I just like, you know, always the limiting thing is just like imagination, basically, right? Uh, as long as you have like the proper tooling, you have some imagination there, there's a lot of cool, cool things you can start to build. Yeah, that's really fascinating uh, as an answer there. So basically, in response to this idea of what's next, it's more like it's more open minded if I had to uh, interpret what you're saying. It's more like, hey, if the net, we're going <clears> to <throat> create this stuff and see what people are using, see what research comes out <clears> of it. <throat> and so I think the obvious probably two would be any prevout and CTV, check template verify. <clears> but let's say we got any, we, we got any prevout, well, then we could upgrade the network to the quote unquote L2 lightning network, mm -hmm. which is like the upgraded form. And that would have all sorts of improvements and implications mm -hmm. like backups would be easier mm -hmm. and cheaper to do. It would um, enable uh, this, you know, starting this multi-party channel approach. But at the end of the day, it's still just going to be, you know, you, you develop something and see how people are using it. And as that grows, then you build further into that. And then later, once you get a new capability, let's say in the future, after that, we get CTV, well, then maybe that enables another whole aspect of, mm -hmm. say, batch channels or non-interactive channels, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess bringing it back to that, I guess the fundamental problem here we're talking about is that in each block, on average, it might be 3,000 transactions in a Bitcoin block. Mm -hmm. That happens mm -hmm. every 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody has to try and shoot to get into that block, well, that's, and obviously there is a block space market. So you pay more fee, you get, you're more likely to get confirmed faster. But in the lightning context, it's just more like you want to make sure that let's say you're not getting cheated out of your money or you at least can claim back, or let's say maybe a more likely scenario is you've got some money in a, in, in a lightning bank and you want to try to claim it back into your, you know, your custody mm -hmm. and, or, um, so yeah, so bring it back to the the root UTXO tree unrolling. Mm -hmm, Maybe mm -hmm. if, if you could just elaborate a little bit there, like the idea is that, you know, there might be this multi-party construct uh -huh. going on uh -huh. let's, and we might, let's say we've got any prev out and we've got L2 and we have this kind of multi-party construct going and it's about each individual being able to claim their aspect out exactly. if they need to or spend it out uh -huh. if they need to unilaterally uh -huh. without first asking the permission exactly. from everyone else in their little channel group mm -hmm. or I don't know the word channel factory or whatever term we're going to use mm -hmm, for that. Mm -hmm. um, so then it's a question of, could they still do it even under adversarial conditions? You know, could they still do it if uh, the fee market was, if the block space, yeah, if fees are getting higher exactly. or could they still do it if, you know, um, you know, because with lightning, there's still security things we have to think about. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. An example might be griefing, right? Mm -hmm. So if somebody has tried to, channel jam and grief you mm -hmm. what do, what does it look like then in a multi-party context right exactly yeah i mean yes yeah, so, so I, I think i think things like that like okay you know we recognize this thing is, is just good in terms of like scaling bitcoin up you know making we have more users as well too like what do we need in order to like actually achieve that stuff right now i think the other thing like you know the things that you mentioned you know things like uh you know ctv and so forth we're all also kind of like you know make it easier to actually even just hold bitcoin generally right so you, make, you basically make things like vaults right which kind of like allow you to kind of like have like a backup key someone sees your coins you can kind of like you know reject that and like you know maybe basically like you know drive them crazy because they can actually 
move, move the coins there as well too. So I think, you know, we definitely, obviously these are like very fundamental things, you know, security and scalability of the system. And I, I feel like, you know, those can be kind of like, you know, things developers can basically rally behind and say, okay, well, you know, these are the things we really care about. Let's move forward. And like, you know, what do we need uh, in order to basically allow these things to move forward, uh, you know, at, 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 at a proper pace, but at the same time, you know, doing so in a, in a, in a in, you know, kind of a more careful manner, right? And then, you know, even, even with that, you know, there's a bunch of things like, for example, you know, there's like basic stuff like today, you can't multiply two integers, uh, you know, in script, right? Uh, in Bitcoin script. So if you remember, like there's this like, uh, this developer, I guess he's working on like sidechain. He basically showed his version of doing this. And it basically, you know, I think, you know, he did it, but I think the script that he did to do this was like over like 1.3 kilobytes, right? So, you know, once again, like something, you know, super simple like multiplication, but obviously that's just like, like a disabled opcode, right? It's one of the things where like Sergi was like, okay, well, I don't really know how this other stuff works. Let me just like, you know, clamp this down. Probably a good decision back then because obviously we know way more than we did uh, now than we did back then. But I think those are kind of like, once again, things that in my mind, like, okay, well, you know, I don't think multiplication is a scary task. Obviously, the, the contract needs to basically handle like things like overflow and underflow if like, you know, the numbers are basically too big. But beyond that, it's a, I think it's a very tractable thing. And just even maybe do something like that would, you know, really increase the possibilities of what's happening there. So I, I guess I'm kind of like, you know, more in like the, I guess, like progressive camp of like Bitcoin development. I don't like things like, you know, crazy ossification, things like that as well, too, just because I just know I've seen like how quickly spaces evolve, basically. And I think it's also a thing where, like, you know, if we're going to like actually allow Bitcoin to continue to grow and like really, you know, uh, basically like start to like test, you know, people around the world, basically, you know, we need to like, you know, move forward these things incrementally, of course. Uh, you know, I, I definitely think that like, you know, I think people are starting to like get back in the swing of, you know, making more kind of like targeted uh, direct changes after the 2017 sub, segment, blah, blah. So, so, so I think the other cool thing right now is like, you know, one thing that I really like with the way like ST, like the speedy uh, trial up rules work is like, okay, like now at this point, we know that like, you know, assuming things go well, basically, we can basically start to use Taproot uh, in November, October. So, so I, th I think this is really big for companies, for example, for us, I'm like, okay, well, I can start to design things today and I can know I can deploy it versus this kind of like, you know, weird uncertainty thing, is it going to happen or not, whatever else. So I really like that pattern. I think initially I was kind of like, you know, I didn't really grasp why it was, I was like oh it's another parameter you know more, more problems more 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 parameters more problems type of thing but then i was like okay no this is actually really ingenious uh and definitely credit to russell o'connor and all that basically worked on this thing going forward so you know i'm hopeful that this thing will work out basically and then people can kind of like see it as a thing going forward you know we can basically do this thing obviously the uasf stuff is always in kind of like the back pocket i kind of like analogize to basically you know kind of, kind of like a concealed carry it's like okay well if i'm walking around i got like a deagle you know right here you're probably not gonna you know you're not gonna try me you know what i mean like you're not you're not gonna try to roll up I don't need to have it pulled out and locked and loaded, you know, be scaring people. It's like, okay, it's a concealed carry. So it's all about deterrence, basically. So I think I kind of like like these dynamics. We basically have like, you know, something to basically, can we reject it? Can it happen faster or not? If not, there's kind of deterrence. So I think we're kind of like, you know, feeling out exactly how these things are happening in practice. So I think, you know, times people want to kind of like have like the perfect way to do it. I don't think that really exists, right? Because we're dealing with people, with humans, basically, different intent, things like that as well, too. I think like good enough just to make sure things are moving forward, that's that's probably pretty good. And then another thing as well, it's probably not going to, you know, have every single component that you want, but that's okay as well, too. As long as basically like, you know, meets the goal and basically move things forward, maybe, you know, you wanted this or that. You wanted like, you know, a different representation, whatever else. Those are kind of like trivial parameters. I think, you know, we need to like make sure we're looking at kind of like the big goal, basically, and like why we're all here in the first place uh, and not get caught up in, you know, these kind of like, you know, this or that type of things, which obviously pop up in software engineering all the time, right? Because like, you know, programming is always do a given task, right? And there's no best way, but you can kind of like, you know, reason about the trade-offs, certain one of them. But I think we have a pretty good thing here in ST and hopefully we can reuse it, you know, again, maybe maybe sometime next year or something like that and see how these things, these things go forward. Um, but but yeah, because I remember like, you know, back in the day, like when I, you know, started joining, we kind of like had 
a software every six or so months. I'm not saying like we need something like that itself, but I think just even like, uh, you know, the notion in like the investor's mind, particularly like the new people that, okay, well, the thing can evolve and move forward. That, that's a pretty powerful thing. But once again, it's, it is the case where like you can say kind of like the core, you know, value of Bitcoin itself, it doesn't really, nothing really needs to change. You know, you can say, and that would basically just work out. But I think we, we say, okay, well, you know, the world is changing itself too. Can we start to kind of like, you know, encompass more and more users basically? And then once again, like upholding those like very base principles, you know, that we know, you know, should not change basically and they kind of like underlie, you know, what people feel, feel is kind of like the value of the system itself. Because I think we're definitely seeing people wake up more and more because I think it's kind of a thing where it's like, you know, I feel like uh, there's something that happened to me as well too. Remember like I heard about Bitcoin, I was like, okay, whatever else, that's cool. And then a few years later, I was like, oh, it's still there. So I think people are having that, you know, kind of like, I had like, you know, kind of like light bulb. Okay, it's still there. A lot of stuff's going on around the world. Maybe I should look into this thing again. And they weren't really crazy. And, you know, so I think it's definitely interesting to see all these kind of like, you know, like old heads, like the OG investors, blah, 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 change their mind, which is obviously like a very powerful thing and something that any, you know, human being needs to be able to do to kind of like, you know, not hold the principles too tightly to basically, like, you know, kind of like have new information, update their mind to miles. I'm seeing all this coming. I'm like, okay, this is really good. Uh, so, you know, I, I definitely, you know, what a time to be alive. And to be working on Bitcoin, just being, you know, interactive with all this stuff. It's just, it's the craziest, you know, like massive, you know, like experiment on other, and even increasingly more global scale now, right? So now we have, you know, people in like, you know, offices of power, politicians talking about it, like they kind of like actually like can enact direct change. So I'm definitely, you know, really excited to see what's going, going on in software over there. I think the one thing yeah, I thought was really cool, it just seemed like they have like, you know, more so, or more kind of like you know, te- technologically literate, literate kind of like politician, just kind of like, you know, uh, you know, like base in terms of their government. Which I think is just so different from the U.S. in that, like you know, it just feel like we have a bunch of dinosaurs, right? Like I remember I saw the presentation by uh, the Salvadoran president. I was like, "Yo, he's giving a slide deck, Bitcoin 101, Lightning, things like that." I'm like, "Can Biden even make a PowerPoint?" <laughs> Yeah, does even so mention crazy. the word lightning network? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like that just like really just charges me up. I was like, damn, like this dude gets it. Uh, this can really be really big for them as well too. Just in terms of, kind of the, their opportunities they have possibly you know, as far as like, you know, increasing the stage of the country, you know, more, you know, economic uh, opportunities, jobs, things like that as well too. So, um, you know, you definitely you, you definitely can't downplay it. <laughs> I think I thought it was interesting when it first came, people were like, oh, it's just El Salvador. It's like, okay, okay come on. Like you can't, this is a big deal. <laughs> this is a big deal. <laughs> You know, only small companies. Oh, now it's only a small country, yeah, right? It's, yeah. it's just going to keep going. Exactly. Only a small continent ne- is the next yeah, one, right? Yeah, and like obviously, so, it made other yeah. countries be like, "Oh, that's an option," <laughs> you know. So it's one of those things. Do that. Yeah, where someone like plays a move, like it's like, oh, like you know, like they're like, oh, you can do that. Well, it's like, yeah, we're kind of rewriting the rules, right? And that's why this stuff is so fun. <laughs> Okay, back to the show after a word for the sponsors. Have you thought about multi-signature and upgrading from a single signature setup? Unchained Capital are building Bitcoin native financial services on a foundation of multi-signature. So you can create a two of three vault, meaning you might have two hardware vaults as an example, one cold card and one trezor, and you can create a setup where you hold two keys geographically distributed and Unchained holds the third key as that third signing party if you ever need them. Now, you can set this up for free with no setup or storage if you build it on your own. On the other hand, they've got a concierge service. They'll do calls with you, ship you hardware wallets, answer your questions, and deposit $1,000 of Bitcoin in your vault. Use code Levera to get a discount there, and Unchained offer all sorts of other products and services like advanced business accounts. They offer an OTC desk in certain states, as well as Lots of free content on their website, such as Parker Lewis's Gradually Then Suddenly series. Go to Unchained.com to find out more.
Coinkite.com are the creators of my favorite Bitcoin hardware wallet, the Cold Card. So the Cold Card is special because you can use it in an air-gapped way, meaning you can get an SD card and ferry the transactions back and forth and ferry the XPUB data between your Cold Card and your computer wallet, like Spectre Desktop or Sparrow or Electrum or others. The Cold Card is a really advanced piece of technology and it's there to help you secure your Bitcoins. It can operate as part of a single signature setup or as part of a multi-signature setup. So it's really worthwhile looking into. Go to coinkite.com and use the code Levera to get a discount on your Cold Card. And finally, cyphersafe.io, producing metal seed backup products. So when you write down those 24 words for your Bitcoin hardware wallet, you need somewhere to put that in a metal product. Now, CypherSafe have a new one coming out. It's called CypherGrid. This is the best value in the industry. You get everything you need for $59. It's got two stainless steel plates for all 24 seed words. It's got privacy by default. It's stainless steel hardware holding it together. You can lock it with a padlock. You get a tamper evidence seal and an automatic center punch provided. So you can punch in uh, four letters for each word. And just like all CypherSafe products, it's made from stainless steel. It's fireproof, rustproof, and waterproof. So make sure you or your loved ones can access your Bitcoins if an accident occurs. Go to CypherSafe.io and use the code Levera to get yours. Back to the show. Yeah, and um, going back to your comment earlier, it's very interesting that idea of you know Bitcoin conservatives and Bitcoin progressives, right? Because mm-hmm. there are people who maybe want new features, yep. and then the con- on the Bitcoin conservative side, it might be more like no, just just twenty one million, and that's it. Yep. Uh, yep. And I think the interesting part is um, absolutely that we are getting new features mm-hmm. over the t- over time. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. also, people always have to remember: if you don't like it, you don't you don't have to use it. You ex- can stay on chain. Exactly. Right? And I, and I think that's the thing that people miss times with software. It's like the beauty of software is that like okay, you know, we don't need everyone, you know, at the same time to hit go at, you know, right? Because like, you know, that itself is like a very centralizing force. So the thing is where it's like, you know, even if you're not really using a feature, as long as it doesn't, you know, like mess up the integrity of your own coins, like your security model itself, it's it's really okay, right? So I feel like at times people, you know, with the whole USF thing, try to like, you know, uh, make sure, because I, I, once again, like, I think this thing gets lost is like, okay, well, you know, the community didn't approve it. All the users need to approve it. Oh, yeah, and that's kind of a thing where it's like, you know, if we could measure community approval and consensus like that, we wouldn't really need POW, right? You know, we would say, okay, why well, everyone says do this? Like, it was like, that's the thing where it's like, it's hard to sample, uh, which is why, like, you know, we have things like the hash rate itself, the price of the coin, people have done futures in the past, things like that as well, too. And the one principle, again, like, because of the software, it's completely opt in. Uh, you don't want to use it, you don't really need to use it, right? So uh, I think something people lose sight on, lose sight on, and like, you know, it feels like they want hard forks instead, and like, you know, like, I guess like in nomin like uh in like nominally, but um you know at the end of the day like softworks work pretty well. We've done we've done a bunch of them right now, uh, and obviously you know uh, there's I mean I think that things well like you know definitely isn't zero risk with the software too. You still can have you know fission things like that as well too. But you kind of like need to kind of like have like a more principled approach going about it and kind of like evaluate the benefits and the trade off things like that as well too. And once again, worst case you know because like you know there are people that haven't updated the Bitcoin nodes in 2013 or so that are probably like major holders. And to them though, okay, well. You know, at this point in the system, this is what I bought into. And as long as that doesn't change, that's fine. Y- y'all in 2020 do, you know, newfangled stuff or whatever else. As long as my coins are okay, that's fine. So I think that's an important thing that, you know, it's kind of like a big thing for people who need to uphold and also kind of like embrace that. Okay, well, you know, things can move forward. But as long as like your own, you know, security is modified, it's, it's fine. It's kind of because otherwise it's, it's kind of like, you know, you have this weird thing. like, well, what are you crazy kids doing over there? You got to stop all that. It's like, well, you know, like, sir, <laughs> up my lawn. Yeah, yeah, sir, your coins are okay. Like, what are you, you know? <laughs> so, so I think, I think, I think it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting. One way to put it is even if we didn't use all these fancy things with the lightning network and upgrading to multi-party channels and <laughs> so on, 
even the lightning bank approach, even having that, like many lightning banks distributed around the world, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Bitcoin Beach style wallets. And maybe they would have proof of reserves, which is a feature that the team at Galois Money are looking at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, you know, we, even that would be a massive, massive improvement of the current financial system. Exactly. But what we're going for here is extra credit. We're making it, we're, tr- we're looking for like, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, think, I think it's definitely a good way to put it. Like, I guess, like, I like I like to live in kind of like that, like, extra credit lane. I think the other thing that, you know, people, you know, shouldn't forget, like, you know, for the first time, people kind of like have like a choice, right? And the other thing as well, like, you know, there definitely very much is like a gradient of, you know, full custodial to, you know, I have like my own, you know, node, I do cold storage, like multi blah, blah, things like that as well, too. I think it's fine that, you know, people, depending on like, you know, the level of competence or technical te- technical literacy can like lie in any point of that gradient, basically. But the fact that that exists at all is a big thing. Because before people were just born into, okay, this is my option, here's Wells Fargo, here's you know, the, the same thing, you know, in the background anyway, right? So so, uh, so I think that's definitely something really cool. And it's also just like, once again, like very surreal to basically see kind of like, you know, things broaden more and more where now like, you know, people like the Fed are talking about Bitcoin, things like that. And the compared to gold, try to dismiss it, but we're like, okay, well, yeah, it's better, you know, right? So it, it's just, I don't know, it's definitely super exciting. It feels surreal at times, basically like how much stuff has expanded over time, basically. Uh, and just that this thing is still going. Because I feel like, you know, people, you know, the one thing I was like, saying, okay, well, you know, a block was produced, uh, you know, 15 minutes ago, right? Or four minutes ago. It's, it's still happening. Like, you know, the, the chain is still working. It's still going. Powell's still training. Uh, doesn't really care about anything else is going on. Um, but no, I, I mean, like once again, uh, I just love working on this stuff and, uh, it's, it's really amazing. That's cool, man. Um, I, I, one other thing that just came to my mind as well, when we're talking about this idea of trying to, you know, going for extra credit, as it were, this idea mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. having multi-party channels, whatever we're going to call them, uh, what mm-hmm, happened? Mm-hmm. So coming back to what we were saying earlier that, you know, on average, it's kind of two or 3000 transactions in a Bitcoin block on average, let's say, uh, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happens if a lot of people all need to claim back on chain at the same time? Exactly. No, yeah. No, no, super good question. So like, this is something that like, is definitely still like a challenge. Like it's something that like, you know, is just like a fundamental, fundamental constraint. Like, like the whole like Pinterest principle, basically you have like eight slots, you have 10 people, obviously not everyone can get a slot. So I think one thing is you know, super important on uh, this, like I think Jeremy Rubin's done like really cool, a bunch of work around kind of like, you know, what he calls kind of like congestion control, basically. So like the, the ability to kind of like, you know, have initial transaction going through the chain and that transaction basically like, allows you to kind of like, you know, have different forms maybe even different, different fee rates, different packages, basically depending on kind of like, you know, how the, the chain is going on from there, right? So now I think another thing uh, that, you know, people worked on in the past, kind of like the concept of like, you know, possibly having like, you know, congestion and or fear where time-like operations, you know, within the system itself, right? Uh, so the idea would be to say, okay, like, you know, we, we encode into the contract. If the fee rate is over, you know, hundreds of sat a byte in, in a, uh, a, a, a box like that, we can like pause it and like, you know, move it on for things like that, right? But, you know, that stuff was like never fully completed. I, I definitely think it probably has some, some more stuff there basically as far as like, you know, making sure, you know, things can basically unroll, uh, you know, in, in an efficient manner on chain. But, but I think that's the other thing, uh, which is like, you know, another challenge of the whole like unilateral withdrawal thing, right? Like what if everyone's withdrawal, you know, at the very same time basically like how do you architect that things like that as well too and i definitely think that's like a major point of research like once again things that like you know we can like you know devise basically help to like you know mitigate and solve those problems i think there's definitely super high priority in my mind because you know once again you want to make sure that people can like you know basically always go back to layer one which once again like you know you have you have the coins there that's like that's that's the de facto basically if it's not the utxo set you know you if it's not the utxo set and you can't make it you know exist in there you, like it's not no, you're not your not your coins you know type of thing right like a different way around it as well too but you know i think definitely something that's you know so, so super important 
but in particular, kind of like, you know, things like people working on stuff like package relay as well, too, just to be, to be, to be able to kind of like ensure like, you know, I can actually get into the chain and I can like modify my fees, uh, you know, and, and things like that as well, too. Um, and, you know, I can say, you know, something else that like, you know, people looked at in the past, which I think is kind of like a, a big thing just in terms of like, you know, letting people evolve stuff going for more forwards, like, you know, maybe people should make more kind of like, you know, liquid style uh, side chains, right? Or, or, or maybe like, you know, try to add the ability to basically like allow them to exist in a more trust minimized way. Obviously, once again, it's not going to be as good as base chain. But like, you know, for example, like, uh, in my mind, like feasibly, like, where else would we have something like, you know, CT or the more advanced thing to be deployed in a wide scale? You can say maybe it's too, you know, uh, you know, complex or kind of like, you know, uh, implications or whatever else, are, uh, you know, too far fetched to basically happen on chain. But then what if we can have you move those things out? So I think it's a thing where it's like, you know, obviously lightning is here and it's cool, but like, I definitely, we definitely don't want to like, you know, be like, you know, like, like kind of like be like a, like a one trick, uh, you know, kind of like chain type of thing, right? We want to kind of like, you know, have other options, other security models, other ways people can interact with things as well too, just because like you can say like, you know, in, in the end, it's my, uh, you know, kind of like, there's not, they'll probably all be like somewhat, you know, additive basically. I can like, you know, move my coins over here, over here. I can do this thing here and, and there and things like that as well too. So I think that kind of like, you know, outwards evolution is super important and also just to be able to allow people to kind of like, you know, rapidly experiment and kind of like, you know, arrive on their own kind of like, you know, local, you know, optimal uh, solution basically and then collaborate with other individuals too. So, uh, but yeah, so I'm definitely I'm definitely all about the extra credit. I think, um, you know, I think obviously like the, the, the base, you know, the, the base report is nice, and obviously it's the, the, the you know, some everything that we rallied around. I think extra credit is important to basically kind of like, you know expand things more and more, uh, and then basically enable people to basically opt into the system, uh, you know, like anything else. And you can say, okay, maybe, maybe they're kind of like you know, <laughs> and like like wandering in the desert with Doge and, and Shiba <laughs> or whatever else, but like at the end of the day, I want to make sure they have a slot. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think they'll come out eventually uh, once they're done, you know, being wayward. Uh, they, they, they can come back. <laughs> they can come back. Out there in the uh, Keynesian wastelands uh, until they join us exactly. in our exactly. sound money citadel of Bitcoin. Um, so I guess then the answer is if they, if there's a lot of people all trying to reclaim back on chain at once, we're reliant then on mm -hmm. research around things like, um, you know, as you said, package relay, uh, our friend Gloria Zhao mm -hmm. with uh, mempool accept that might be, that might sort of play into that as well. This idea of being mm -hmm, able to mm -hmm. have your Bitcoin node, see a transaction, see that it's not being confirmed, but be able to construct mm -hmm. its own, I guess, transactions based off of that that then allow you to maybe mm -hmm. go, I, maybe I don't understand this as well as you do, but maybe you might be leaving one channel factory to join another one or something like that, mm -hmm. that kind of construction. Mm -hmm. Is that mm -hmm. the sort of thing that would be possible? Uh, yeah, because like, another thing as well is like, you know, for example, you can say like, um, you know, like let's say there's kind of like thousands of people who are trying to like handle like their own breach at the same time. Like what if they can kind of like cooperate basically and kind of like have one transaction that settled, you know, all the contracts, you know, uh, in, in one transaction basically, you know, instead, you know, that'll definitely save a lot on chain space because you kind of like, you know, you can press down things, you kind of like have like a batching life savings as well too. So I think it's, that's some, definitely something that's kind of like, you know, within uh, current like technical feasibility, the only thing that it requires there is kind of like, you know, uh, kind of like a coordination layer to allow people to kind of like discover themselves and also change messages and things like that, right? Um, but, you know, definitely like think, things are probably further off, it's kind of like maybe reviving certain ideas around like, you you know, how do you have like congestion and weird time locks, things like that as well, too, um, just because otherwise there's that, that, that kind of like constraint there. Um, um, and, and maybe there's a way to even like allow them to like reconcile off chain. Be like, OK, my bad. Like, you know, like we're both not going to get you over here. Let's just let my bad. Let's just let's settle up. You know, it's all good. Like no hard feelings, you know, like <laughs> maybe that's possible as well, too, just to kind of like, you know, go from different direction. But I think these are definitely, you know, all I think kind of like some like very like the key research questions right now. I remember like I think I saw on Twitter, it was like you and a snake and um 
uh, someone else, Lloyd, I think, I think they had like a thing kind of like, you know, open Bitcoin yep. research question, yep. basically kind of like, you know, very like much directly putting these, these things forward. So, okay, everything else is nice, but these still are fundamental things. Like how do we address these things? How do you solve these things? I, I think it's like, that's really cool because like, kind of like, let's kind of like a new developer and a researcher kind of like come into space and see, see, okay, like, you know, where can I have the most impact basically? Like what are kind of the pressing questions going on here? Uh, you know, to avoid them from like maybe getting, you know, bogged down, like, uh, trying to like, you know, really like, uh, just like rediscover things that happened in the past. These are kind of like, you know, what's at the forefront, basically, how do you make sure to push things forward? So I think it's also important just to like, you know, not oversell stuff. It's like, it's like, okay, like we're still figuring, you know, stuff out basically. We've definitely come a long way. Things are a lot more usable than right now. Like scalability is a lot better as well too, but there are these things that we're still working on basically uh, to make sure, you know, we, we're like, you know, get the full credit on our extra credit, right? Not like have like a partial submission uh, that maybe uh, doesn't really fulfill a lot of the kind of requirements or goals. Uh, that we should have to do. Yeah, right, right. Um, and I'm also curious as well, I know there's been more work around anchor output channels, and that's actually in the new version 0.13 of LND. Mm-hmm. That's uh, becoming the default mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. Node to both support anchor output channels. And so does that help with the fee, with that pinning transaction pinning problem or does it is there an interaction mm-hmm. there or not at all uh yeah yeah so, so it helps because like uh there's something that added uh i think you know matt kind of like led it to kind of like basically add like what's like an exception in some like education that kind of like led to some of the pinning behavior in bitcoin d itself right so basically the idea is i always like okay well you can kind of like have like this one more uh you know output basically and uh and because like um you know the other party doesn't really control that output i can then like use that as kind of like a cpf thing cpfp thing so you see get you know back into the chain so so it, it definitely you know helps a lot in that domain i think another thing that we kind of like realized over time is that like you know opt-in rbf was added to kind of like you know placate you know certain companies at the time that basically really wanted zero comp you know things like you know coinbase or whatever else people that kind of really wanted that so i think we're realizing as well that okay you know it has some words maybe maybe we just need to go to full rbf and the difference is like you know opt-in basically you have to like signal on the transaction okay well this is replaceable full rbf basically okay well i can replace anyway so i think the thing anyway is that like you know uh i feel like the stuff is very fuzzy at times because once again, like it depends on what the miners are running, right? They could be running full RBF, and if they are, then that's fine. And like a lot of things get a lot simpler as well too, so you, because you don't really know exactly like what the relay network is running or what the miners running as well too. It's kind of a thing where it, it, it is still super fuzzy. So, uh, so that's why I think you know people talk about these attacks as well too, things like that. But like it just seems like at times like um you know they have like a Goldilocks model of like okay, well you know, like the, the, the fee is just like low enough where uh, it's not getting dropped on the mimble, but it's not high enough to basically be confirmed. You know things like that as well too. So I think in practice this stuff stuff is probably. Lot more difficult to like pull off than uh, some people like you know feel like it is. But at the same time, because it's there, we should definitely you know address these uh, you know uh, these factors to make sure we're kind of like making sure the things are you know as airtight as they can be uh, security. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And so with Taproot coming, I'm curious as well your thoughts on whether there is potential to use something like Music Two as part of Lightning Network mm-hmm. and the way Lightning nodes mm-hmm. talk to each other. Uh, is that something mm-hmm. you're looking at? What's the thought there? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, so like, you know, definitely like, uh, you know, it generally can just like compressing down a lot too. Like, I think the one thing people will be like as well too is like, you know, right now, like, uh, you know, once again, like people are generally these like public stats about the network, but kind of like looking at like what are kind of like, you know, you know, P2SH outputs type thing, you know, multi type things, whatever else. The cool thing about this is like, this basically lets, you know, any transaction look, any, any good transaction also like kind of like blend in, right? So the lightning channel could look at the number of transactions as well too. I think it's cool in the context of things like, you know, pool, where it's like, okay, well, people are kind of like have these accounts, urban accounts, like that as well too that can basically just look like one you know big multi-input multi-option transaction basically right so i think it definitely like, does a lot to kind of like you know, increase like the anonymity and enhance privacy by the individuals i think the, i think the other cool thing is like you know once again go back go back to some of those um things that we talked about as far as kind of like this like you know you root utxo kind of like you know onrolling process because you can kind of like you know basically encode different possibilities in the taproot tree and not really have to commit to that itself that kind of like really opens up the design space as far as like what can we really be doing in general so another cool thing that it allows like you know something people talked about, talk about in the past this thing called like a ptlc which 
which rather than like using a, like a payment hash, like a hash function for like the actual, you know, kind of like a payment identifier using what Linux is up today, you can instead you kind of like, you know, use like discrete log, uh, you know, based kind of like security primitives, you know, things like signatures, uh, EC stuff as well too. It really builds up the design space. Then you add DLCs on top of that as well too. So I think it's a thing where it's like, you know, I feel like, um, like design space is basically just so large once you add stuff like that itself and then it gets even larger as well too. So I think one thing we work on in the background, I think, you know, Rusty and some other people have like different ways of doing it as well. Basically the ability to kind of like, you know, update a channel on the fly, right? So, so one thing, um, you know, is like, you know, right now, if someone wants to basically like upgrade to a tap root channel, they'd have to like actually close the channel on chain and open another one. Obviously, that's not good because, like, you know, we have like over, you know, 40,000 channels right now that, you know, and once again, like you're saying, it's going to take several boxes to do that, right? So, like, so instead, there's a way to basically like, so let's say like, I have like a normal, you know, segue uh, channel up in itself. So then, like, you and I of chain basically, we, we, we spend that transaction, right? Then we have a new transaction, then it creates the tap root output, right? And then we actually just keep that off chain. And we never need to post that unless we actually need to force close. So, so the thing is, it's actually the same thing because otherwise, you basically need to close and then open. And in this case, maybe I have like an extra transaction whatever I need to close. So once again, that's a really cool thing. We, we, we can, in theory, kind of like an update the entire network on the fly to these new versions without actually doing any on transactions at all, right? Then, you know, as more and more things, you know, come up, let's say people are doing DLCs, multi-hop setting, they're doing, you know, other, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, more elaborate channels, things like that as well too. So it should be the case that where it's like, you know, as long as you have like this two of two multi-sig type uh, contract of like the channel, you can then upgrade that on the fly as if you were downloading like a new application on your phone, right? So I think that's like, really, I definitely we, we can we can get to. So I think it's really important as well too. Because well, obviously we want to be able to kind of like, you know, incorporate the latest and greatest, uh, you know, uh, to, to and basically give them to users without basically having the users, you know, close channels on, on chain. Because like one thing is like, you know, once you get Lightning and like you, like you basically, you never want to close that channel. You kind of like, oh, I have to pay on chain fees. I'm going to take blah, blah, blah. So like the, the thing we can do basically like, you know, kind of like reduce number of like, you know, on chain transactions due to kind of like control interactions of kind of like modifying parameters, things like that. I think it's definitely like, like a big thing going forward. Um, and uh, yeah, but I, mean, I guess that's the other thing. Like we kind of like yet to really get together and like make a big push to kind of like, you know, do all the designs, you know, for kind of like, you know, post tap lightning. Definitely a bunch of like mailing those posts uh, from people like, you know, AJ and other people kind of like, you know, game, kind of game planning, what can we do over here and things like that. I think it's the case where it's like, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a thing where uh, we probably just need to like have something very simple to begin with and then go from there. Because otherwise, maybe it's going to like, you know, get really bogged down in terms of like, uh, you know, trying to like do everything all at once. I think the other thing is like, you know, if, you know, the world is opening up a little bit more now, like definitely we really get to get basically get back, you know, kind of like in-person meetings with, with developers. So I think those are very, very high bandwidth. People talk about a bunch of things as well, too. We have like, you know, we had one in Australia and Adelaide, you know, uh, Rusty's thing like, like two or three years ago. And like that itself was foundational for everything we're doing right now itself. Right? So even like one meeting over the course of a few years was super important so i'm you know, really looking forward to basically thinking people in person again and getting back you know getting me space going just because like you know once once you're back like the Miami conference talk to my developers like, okay like this this, this is kind of cool this is why you know there's human interaction like it's, it's cool yeah that's that'll be great to see um <clears throat> so another thing i was interested to chat about is this whole idea of spontaneous payments and i know that's something coming up in the new mm. lnd so i guess this has gone mm -hmm. through all sorts of different iterations right because in the past people mm -hmm. have used you know they've had to make a new invoice to receive donations or just to receive money mm -hmm. and then there was key sent and now we've got this uh spontaneous payments idea so can you tell us a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. What is that? Uh, yeah, super good question. So, like, you know, typically the way like payments work in Lightning, say you kind of like have like an invoice and they have like, a payment hash, right? And like, the way it works, you basically have like an HCLC. You kind of like extend this thing and kind of like an incremental manner, like this like the whole routing portion of it, basically, until it gets to the destination. Then, then the destination then like actually reveals a pre-image and then it goes all the way backwards. Then boom, the payment, payments are uh, fulfilled, right? So, so pushback and spontaneous payment works a little bit differently because instead, like you know, rather than uh, the receiver generating that like secret value, I generate it myself 
I then encrypt it in the onion payload of the actual payment I'm sending to you itself. It gets all the way to you, then you decrypt that and then settle that yourself, right? And that's kind of like the initial key send version, right? So basically, uh, so initially we did something, uh, we did that. It was meant to be kind of like a little bit more temporary, but then like some things like AMP took a little bit longer than we expected. But then AMP kind of like builds on top of that in that, like, you know, so you know, like there's something called MPP and multi path payments. Basically, let's you kind of like, you know, split payment, split payment up into several different charges, basically send that to the individual. So AMP does that for basically for key send, right? So all of a sudden now you can then kind of like, you know, do that same thing where I can like push you a payment with only public key uh, and then like kind of like split payment up in general. This is really cool because now this lets you do things like, you know, kind of like, you know, spontaneous tipping. Maybe like you have like a Substack type of thing where you have like a podcast thing or whatever else. Something that people really like as well too. And like, it's also kind of like the foundation, you know, of things like Sphinx that kind of like, you know, do a push payment. Maybe add like a little message from the podcast index type as well too. Uh, so definitely, you know, something, you know, pretty excited about. Definitely, um, you know, it took a little bit to like, you know, realize in software, but we definitely learned a lot along the way. We don't have a bunch of other cool you know, things coming up as well too. And one other thing, it lets you also, you know, kind of like, you know, like we, we use an invoice more like you would uh, like, like a normal kind of Bitcoin address, right? So like, you know, rather than like, you know, me needing to fetch an invoice every time, which has issues as far as like, you know, maybe it's stale that I already pay or whatever else, I can just kind of like have it at one static identifier and then do that uh, more directly, right? So, you know, there are things like, uh, you know, LNURL and like offers, uh, it's like other, you know, kind of pros by Rusty, they kind of like let you do that. But the difference with that is like, you know, those are so interactive and that I basically need to fetch an invoice from you every single time, right? Uh, so like, so it is nice to basically kind of like have that, okay, like one, one and done type of thing. But imagine like, you know, in the future, let, let's say like, you know, I'm like renting a scooter and it has a QR code and I do an amp payment to that, right? Boom, and it's there, right? And, you know, that can just, like, work. So it's kind of like an example, kind of like compress it down the steps a little bit more. And I think it's really cool. So one of the other things that people were trying to combine with that is, like, you know, for example, like, uh, you know, Lightning basically lets you kind of, like, attach, like, kind of, like, arbitrary, like, key value pairs in a given message, right? So kind of, like, metadata, right? So in the future, I could say, okay, well, I'm tipping, you know, you on Twitter, and I add, like, hey, you know, thanks, love the podcast. I add, like, a little message there, right? And you then see message the other side as well, too. And that message, once again, is, like, fully encrypted, you know, end to end to the individual. Things really cool because unless people kind of, like, you know, do a lot of experimentation as far as, like, you know, what can you do, you know, what kind of, like, you know, cool Cool things, prospect adding like small mind metadata in the protocol to a particular payment, uh, which is which I think is a, is, a, is a cool thing. Right. Yeah. So this is going to be very handy for people who are online and they they want to have just a static QR so they can start taking donations um, with this mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Where I guess historically they would have had to set up, say, a BTC pay server, which might be exactly. difficult for people who are not really deep into this world. And then even then, if they had to set up the mm-hmm. BTC pay server, they would have also have to set up the corresponding channels and have inbound liquidity and they'd have to kind of manage mm-hmm, all of that mm-hmm. aspects so in this case mm-hmm, i mean mm-hmm. it looks like they would still have to manage inbound liquidity but at least now it's just mm-hmm. one qr so there's not uh, interactivity right right like the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it just it simplifies like kind of like the uh just the exchange a little bit more and i think another thing as well that you know is that like uh something i was kind of like fearful of like a while back but i guess that's what happens like you know for example like if i like have like a deposit address like it's like actually like an invoice and i pay it basically and let's say i want to deposit again and i use that invoice again i can potentially actually lose money right because at that point like the premium is already known in the network basically so if i route through those same period they can just take it so i think in practice it hasn't really happened yet uh which is you know definitely you know super relieved about that but like something like this would basically like make that not possible because in this case the, the center is the one responsible for always generating that random identifier, right? So it's kind of a thing where, like, you know, you could imagine someone forgets, like, refresh a page and it's just sitting there and they do it again because, you know, QR codes, like, you know, it's hard to distinguish uh, things like that. Um, but I think that's cool. <laughs> I think another funny thing I've noticed is, as, like, I feel like uh, at least here in the US, like, you know, many restaurants can now kind of like basically have the menus on QR codes. So I remember like when I first first came to Bitcoin, I was like, oh my god, you know, they're like, oh, QR codes aren't going to work. It's, it's the only thing, only works in China. We can whatever else. But I think now it's the thing where it's like, like the average individual just uses QR codes every day, and it's just like a thing. Because I remember like there were a bunch of like people who were like kind of like naysayers on it, said the UX is bad. Where it's now it's like the normal. So uh, I think it's like, kind of like a cool thing as far as like you know people kind of transitioning uh, and also kind of like you know Bitcoin and influencing and also kind of like you know opening up the pathways for new new ways to change information on the internet. Yeah, that's cool. The QR, yeah, definitely the QR conversation is definitely. With all with all of this stuff over the last year or two, it's been yeah a lot more QRs. 
Uh, so then mm-hmm. I guess in the future, that could be maybe some Bitcoin wallet developer builds up on the new version of LND and they build in this feature, uh, this capability to just put up a static QR. And that would be really useful because then I know there would be a lot of people who are not necessarily hardcore Bitcoin people, but they might be a YouTube mm-hmm. creator or they might be a Twitch streamer mm-hmm. and they can just put up one QR, right? Exactly. Yeah. I remember, uh, there's this like a uh, developer. I don't remember the name, but like, you know, they use um, basically like Ellen Bits. I think uh, also like the Ellen Bits development, I think them is Ben. They kind of like have a thing where like something called OBS, which is kind of like this like uh, open source software people used to typically do Twitch, things like that. So basically they integrated, you know, lightning support into OBS such that someone like pays your invoice. You basically have like an overlay pop up, you know, on the actual Twitch stream itself. I was like, oh, that I was like, oh, this is sick. Like, and that's definitely where I think, you know, things are heading because at that point it's like, okay, well, it's just very direct, you know, between you and the streamer itself. There's no other people you know in between that itself but i think the other cool thing is like you know i don't know if you've seen but typically people like add like a message whenever they do like a donation or a tip you can then also actually add the message you know in the lightning payment itself right so it's kind of like a fully end-to-end thing and this is definitely like you know example like a lot of like cool innovation that's possible just by kind of like you know having like a more open payment system underlying it because many of the times people want to do things involving you know move money around that's kind of like the fundamental you know like a value of like you know actually having uh, some of the internet like like an email type of thing so i think anything that basically make that like you know more frictionless uh you know more open more accessible uh you know definitely like a very big thing for just you know everyone yeah so. that's cool uh and also just around mpp versus amp could you just clarify what's uh, you know the the current state of play there in terms of lnd like uh, it obviously supports mpp but now you're looking at this idea of having mm-hmm, amp mm-hmm. as well so can you just out- outline the differences there for listeners out there uh def, def, def. yeah something that we're definitely you know working on like, like having like more documentation around but so like you know so basically so both of them can do payment splitting right it was, it was like a big thing because like you know initially like you like a single channel basically had to have the capacity to satisfy your payments so therefore you kind of like had to have like very big channels you know that kind of had a bunch of like issues as well too so in this case because we can do payment splitting it lets you know things flow a more uh, you know directly so the difference is like so mpp actually uses the same payment hash for every single uh you know kind of like payment shop within the, the route itself right so this this is like you know works in practice but it has a like kind of like uh, you know two issues one is basically privacy as soon as people can kind of can kind of like correlate payments five different nodes like, so I, have, I have like two different nodes different paths basically and say okay well those are probably the same payment why well, don't you know reuse the payment hash you know directly like that right but one of the things like you know because like the receiver actually has a payment for mpp it is possible once again i'm not, not sure if this actually in the wild where someone basically like you know pulls too early and because they pull too early maybe it was like a bug in software or else that kind of like you know means like they can they can never get the full amount of money right because now in this case if they pulled early and then someone else like sends that payment again with the same payment hash they can potentially lose money because the individual you know takes that money uh in path right so once again that's never happened but it's kind of like just like a you know, something uh you know as far as like the way things work security wise but amp is different because like amp on the other hand like actually you know has like, every single shard have a different payment hash right now this is cool because obviously now they probably have a different amount and different payment hash as well so you kind of like have things be a little more diffused maybe potentially like you know a little more difficult to actually uh, correlate right and one other thing uh, with amp versus mpp so like whenever i'm doing kind of mpp i basically need kind of like a full invoice the invoice has the payment hash like you know your pub key things like that as well too with amp in theory i only just need your public key right so that means that the invoices can be even smaller or even even if i just like you know have your public key from some other things a very small thing through your device i can like push your payment you know more directly right so i think the main thing is like you know so amp is basically about like you know pushing things you know directly spontaneously without recovering an invoice while mpp kind of like requires that implicit you know round for me to get the invoice in the first place but then has kind of like other constraints around you know the payment hash uh, how those things are done things like i see that. so then i guess theoretically amp is a little bit more private because as you were saying it's a little harder to correlate obviously if there's different pre-images for the different chunks of bitcoin that you're sending along the different routes to get to Mm -hmm. that other person uh and then would it be Mm -hmm. 
any more difficult from a routing perspective? Like I guess what you're saying there is MPP is giving off a little bit more of a routing hints or routing clues inside the invoice, whereas uh-huh. AMP is just saying, hey, uh-huh. just pay to this node. And so basically it's relying on, let's uh-huh. say, oh, my wallet or my Lightning node has to have its view of the network and know, oh, I know I'm paying Lalu's node over here, right? Not necessarily, because you're kind of like doing the same thing, basically. So it's maybe with MPP, like in theory, you don't want to like, you know, reuse a node in the route, because if they get the premiums a little bit earlier, that could, that could be a, a weird thing as well, okay. too. But yeah. I think the other thing, like, from, from like, I think the cool thing is also, also is like, you know, the routing nodes themselves don't know if you're using MPP or AMP. Right, they're just saying, okay, well, you gave me the pre-image. I took, uh, you know, my right. little fee. I'm good. Right, so I, guess, I think it's a cool thing as well too. And I think also like because the way Lightning OS is set up, like because like you know these two things were kind of like you know end-to-end updates. You know, assuming you have kind of like the the new protocol to like add the uh, the writing information uh, within the interactive network. Basically, at this point, like you know, any two people can start to use it. Uh, you know, right now. And so that I think it's a cool thing as well because like you know Lightning kind of like allows like you know kind of like innovation at the edges, right? So two people can basically start, you know, as long as the sender and receiver know what they're doing, they can do a bunch of other things, you know, on the network itself. And the router, net routers themselves don't gain any other kind of like additional metadata. Maybe maybe they see okay. I mean, I think that's the other cool thing too is like you know because like the writing size, the writing pack basically remains fixed size the entire time doing the processing. They aren't really able to distinguish. Okay, well, you know, that's a podcast payment. This is you know a subscription payment, things like that as well too. So I think it definitely just kind of like you know shows like the cool things that we added into Lightning to basically make it like you know extensible over time, but then also you know just like uh, you know allow things to evolve a lot, a lot quickly. So we definitely, you know, it's really impressive everyone that, you know, banded together, you know, years ago to like start to make this thing. And now it's, you know, becoming yeah. you know, more and more real every single day. Uh, and also, where were we, I remember like there was a thing on Twitter the other day, it was kind of like a video of the lighting conference that we had in Berlin. Like, I was like, oh, shit, that took me back. That was, that was, oh so man, sick. I can't wait so, for another one. 2022, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so I think some, something definitely needs to happen. <laughs> and it'll just be bigger and better now. So uh, definitely looking forward yeah, to that. Yeah, that's cool. So I guess maybe my summary of it then, or at least my understanding then is, MPP really was the first one that kind of came live on the network. Uh-huh. And and I mm-hmm. think that massively helped improve the payment success because then you didn't have to oh, have definitely. all the, route, the liquidity in every step of the route. It just could split up and mm-hmm, go across. Mm-hmm. And now what you're talking about here is we're having mm-hmm, AMP, which is like maybe a little bit more, arguably a little bit more private uh, and you know, some slightly mm-hmm, different mm-hmm. features there, but basically a similar kind of function. Mm-hmm. And then potentially mm-hmm. in the future, once Taproot comes live on the network, then we're going to have like the... Mm-hmm. The Taproot PTLC uh, amp, right? Yeah, and I think I think the cool thing as well, I realize like you know, like Lightning is cool because over time you can basically add more and more payment types, right? You know, first we had MPP, then we had AMP. Like maybe someone will have something, you know, for example, Showbase like working on things like okay, being able to like send kind of like like a DLC type contract over multi-op channels, things like that as well too. I think this is, this is like an amazing thing because like first now we have kind of like an open you know uh, payment system, this like kind of like the like, open like monetary rail that we can evolve over time, uh, and I think that's just like an extremely powerful thing. And and once again, like. I think the cool thing is like, you know, people don't need to ask me to use Lightning. They just download the software and they use it. Boom. I don't know who they are. I don't know where they are. So I think I think it's definitely like a, you know, super amazing thing. I think so I feel like it's time, you know, you kind of get caught up in like, you know, the day to day. It's like, okay, well, so stepping back, like, you know, like people, people, people have done a lot of really cool stuff. And once again, just like people didn't know each other. They kind of like banded together for this, you know, shared goal over the internet. Uh, so I don't know. It's, uh, it's definitely really cool. That's stuff. cool. Uh, one other feature I saw in LND 0.13 is pruned node support. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. And why, why are you enabling this and what's involved with that? 
Uh, yeah, super good question. So, like, uh, so you know, b- before now, we're not people that actually like use kind of like a full Bitcoin node with like Lightning with a Lightning uh, you know, or LND or whatever, or some other place as well too. You kind of like had to like have like the, all the disk space there. So, like, you know, right now I think it's it's a point where it's like you know it's like over three hundred or so gigabytes or else something that, that, that becomes a lot more creative. I think also like you know if people were wanting to be running on like you know kind of like smaller you know cloud um, you know offerings basically have like you know small IBM things like that that was like super expensive, right? So things like you know it actually technically worked before this, but like we didn't really work from it because we kind of like knew there was like, kind of like some certain edge cases, right? It's like, you know, let's say your node was offline and the channel got mined basically, and then it was offline for a while, maybe something happened. And then like at that point, like, the, the block got pruned. And then in this case, like Ellie would come on and say, okay, well, you know, I need block 22. It doesn't exist. What do I do? Right. So the thing is, it was one of the things where it's like, you know, in practice, it was probably okay, but we didn't really want to re- recommend it, you know, directly. Right. So what we, what we ended up implementing, you know, an LD is that, like, you know, now, like, uh, once again, because we kind of like have like this code base from Neutrino, probably it's like light client, we basically like, you know, reuse a lot of the, the kind of like, code there for like, you know, P2P interaction. Like, that's what we'll do now. Is, like, you know, if we ever go to fetch a block from Bitcoin D and it's not there, we'll then actually just fetch it from the P2P network itself. Right. So this means that you, you can now kind of like have like maybe like, you know, like a hundred megs or else allocate to your Bitcoin D node. And if LD ever needs to do things like a rescan or go back to other blocks and like that, I can basically just fetch it for, fetch it for, for Fetch it from the peer-to-peer network. This is really cool because now it's basically like you know once again like lowers the cost of operating a Lightning node uh, because you you know now you don't need that like 500 you know uh, gigabyte like SSD on the side of else. You can kind of like just have your initial you know uh, like maybe like a spinning drive 100 uh, gigs of else. So I think it's definitely a big thing in terms of like lowering the barrier to entry. I think as we're seeing you know things pop up more and more in other countries where maybe like you know these things we take for granted cost-wise maybe aren't the same you know to them other areas you know hardware costs things like that. Um, also also in particular which we're seeing now it's like it's even harder just to get computer hardware around the world now due to like you know, things, you know, the ports are kind of like, you know, clogging up, COVID-related stuff, you know, costs of just raw goods are going up as well, too. So anything that we can do to make, you know, uh, operating and lighting you know, cheaper, I think is definitely a really big win uh, for people, you know, around the world. Cool, cool. So essentially, LND will connect to peers and retrieve a pruned block. Block, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, cool. And so also around mobile wallets and things, and this is also calling back to what you were saying earlier, how there's the protocol is there and that's the base thing that's going on. But then around the mm-hmm. edges, there are people out there doing fancy things to make a nicer user experience for their users. So, uh, you know, examples of like the Phoenix breeze and moon where they, as an example, yeah. Phoenix have like a routing hint to an unannounced or private channel that doesn't exist yet to kind of make it easy for, and then this idea of on the fly channels um, or uh, channels that are created just, like they don't exist yet, but when you take the payment, it makes the channel then. And, and then there's a little bit of trust involved in that initial period while you're waiting for the channel to settle and things. So I guess, mm-hmm. how does that, um, you know, what sort of things do you see coming in the mobile application sphere for the new users who are just new to Bitcoin and Lightning? And, mm-hmm. you know, how do you sort of see that interacting back with, say, LND and C Lightning and, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. Eclair and things? Uh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I, think, I think what you're saying, like, I feel like over like the past like two or three years, I think like the UX walls have like, you know, really like increased significantly, basically, right? Compared to like, you know, what, what we're using back in the day, I think definitely, you know, people like, you know, Async and Breeze have really kind of like, you know, led the charge there moving as well too. Kind of like, you know, once again, like, you know, they were able to like, you know, add new things to the protocol because things are very extensible to kind of like, you know, meet the direct goal of like increasing the UX for the end user. I think that was a really cool thing where it's like, you know, they're like, hey, can we have an API? Like, okay, cool. You know, boom. Then they use it. Then I was like, oh, that's what you use the API for. That's really clever. That's really cool. Uh, so I guess like, you know, maybe things that I see you know, popping up in the future as well too. You know, I think maybe, uh, you know, ability to like, um, you know, uh, kind of like have like other applications uh, kind of like, you know, ask their mobile wallet for certain permissions possibly. So like, you know, you can imagine, let's say I have like a game and that game kind of like, you know, gets like a macro from L&D and say, okay, well, you know, I want to like, you know, uh, like bet on who's going to win like the, the basketball games like that right so you can like have that interaction a little more clearly there uh you know i think one other thing you know, we've been like, kind of like re-examining the company is kind of like 
you know, starting to like, you know, possibly like get, you know, LND and like Lightning kind of, like, kind of closer to the web uh, more directly. So like, you know, it's kind of like feasible in the future. It's like, let's like actually have like LND, uh, like use something called WebAssembly, which is kind of like this like VM, you know, uh, type system that runs directly in the browser that can kind of like, you know, have my LND node running directly in my Chrome extension browser itself, right? I think it's really cool because now like, you know, you can kind of like have like, you know, more kind of like seamless interactions uh, with like the web itself. So like rather than like, you know, me clicking, getting an invoice, getting my phone, copy pasting, scanning, whatever else, I just like click it and it does the thing, right? At that point. So I think it's really cool because now at this point it's like, okay, like, you know, if we're like that close to the browser, the web why do paywalls exist right you know stuff like that right so it's once again something like drives me crazy you're like okay i want to like read the article and i want to then okay 60 dollars you know yearly subscription wall street journal i don't really care like you know i just want to give me the information here's five sats you know so i think if we can like you know kind of cross that barrier and that would kind of really unlock i think just a lot of you know earning potential for like you know different like writers journalists uh you know things like that as well too i think another thing that uh i think would be cool is like um you know, like the ability to kind of like have like a like a protocol amongst like different walls to kind of like allow you to do you know kind of like bill splitting uh you know on like the actual thing itself uh, possibly so like you know you can kind of like feasibly you know collaborate to generate kind of like you know payments that pay another individual in a way using something like AMP as well too whereas like you know we all kind of like, you know pay individually and they can't pull until everything's there I think that's like you know one interesting thing there but I think generally just kind of like you know enabling people to like you know have more like uh, seamless applications there right to kind of like you know cut down on some like the QR code scanning you know tap copy type of thing. And have it, like you know more directly because I think that's really cool because now at that point like you know developers rather than them like you know trying to like you know basically makes the application a lot more easy to develop right because then at that point too I can just like say okay well you know wait for user payment okay collect it boom and then go forward there um, I think other you know things in that direction are kind of like you're trying to move forward with things like, you know, LSAT and Aperture, kind of like, you know, allowing, you know, people to kind of like, you know, build APIs, to like, you know, more easily like monetize what's going on. I saw this really cool thing. Uh, it was definitely like a work in progress. Basically, like, uh, so one thing I don't know if you've seen, like, so a bunch of like, you know, people like Travis CI, kind of like, you know, they run kind of like contingent innovation, basically like, you know, let's open source software, uh, kind of like, you know, run tests on the infrastructure, like that. Basically, they're running people where like, people are basically like mining, you know, on their uh, the platform, right? Like, you know, obviously like random coins are the rail. So like, they have like a bunch of issues with like fraud, things like that. So I'm like, thinking, okay, well, you know, what if I just paid you hundreds of Satoshis? You know, like, once again, this is the whole, you know, hashcast spam type of thing. So I think it definitely has a lot of potential. I, I saw someone that basically made a thing where it's like starting to go in that direction where basically you can kind of like, you know, pay in real time to the application and the application itself would then like, you know, keep a VM alive for you, right? So I guess it's a really cool thing because all of a sudden now I don't really need to sign up. I mean, obviously there's kind of like some trade-offs there as far as like, you know, control and security, things like that too. But it's kind of like this, like, you know, more, you know, distributed computational storage type of thing that doesn't really need, need you know, too much kind of like, you know, novel, uh, you know, cryptography for us because like maybe you say, okay, practically this is like fine that was right now. We kind of like just need that kind of like a you know, payment layer uh, there and we have that right now it's getting better you know every day so I think there's, there's a few things that uh, and I think will be really cool to start to you know see going forward excellent and in terms of fees on the network that's something <laughs> where I think it's it's extremely low right now like basically most of the time mm. when you're writing a payment it's we're talking one sat or less right and oh yeah you, you, talking, even, you forgot about it <laughs> yeah we're talking like 0.036 of a cent or something like in that range right I wonder does that rise up over time as people start to because i think at the start it was maybe mm-hmm. more like a training wheels and people were just doing it as a mm-hmm. hobby but then over time that you would expect that would rise because every lightning routing node operator has on-chain fees to cover they've got a liquidity they're, they're you know they're, they're locking up money into a channel uh, and they obviously want to do that entrepreneurially they want to put they want to open a channel in the direction that they think funds are going to flow so i'm wondering do you have any ideas on you know that aspect of fees rising over time like would it be kind of like 0.1 percent or 0.5 percent hmm. longer term do you think or do you, we don't we still don't really know uh good good question i feel like it's definitely going to be a thing where like 
you know, I feel like kind of like the market dynamics will like sort things out over time. Like, so you can say, okay, like maybe like, you know, let's say like blocks, you know, right now, like, let's like hash rate drops even more. Like, you know, we have like another 25% down like a week or two or whatever else, blocks get a lot slower. You can say, okay, well, fees will start to go up, you know, on Lightning because, you know, there's just so much demand and they realize like, okay, I can charge, you know, half a percent and people will still do it. Right? So maybe, maybe then you see go up, but then I, I think you see like, you know, as like, you know, more and more people like, you know, get into the queue, they kind of like go back down again, right? Too. I think another interesting thing that, you know, once it develops a little more, it's probably interesting. It's kind of like, you know, kind of like the cost of like ML liquidity on something like pool as well too right like you know would you be able to kind of like you know look at that like rate rising over time and say okay well you know there's kind of like the interest rates are increasing this means that people want to be you know borrowing more as well too if they go then like maybe like you know then maybe people like you know see that rising rate then kind of like add even more capital and that goes back down again like what we see you know typically in other you know kind of like lending marks things like that as well too so i think it'd be a thing where i think it would definitely regulate over time i guess i'm not super worried about it like you know staying very high for long just once again because like you know there's just there's so much competition because once again it's a global thing it's a very open thing as long as you're able to make those channels and actually have connection connections there you can then starts like undercut individuals and then once again you, you'd go back down right so uh it's definitely an interesting thing so i think you know right now they're probably like you know a few categories of users like one basically they don't really care about the fees they want to just like you know, run a node they think it's really cool and maybe there's people that are maybe you know starting to like break even when they consider the writing fees i think the other individuals kind of like you know way ahead of the curve actually making you know money you know maybe like feeling so she's you know a month things like that as well too so i think it's definitely cool you kind of like have that gradient basically uh you know over time you probably like need more people that you know are doing it more for like a profit seeking uh, perspective basically make sure they're kind of like more sustainable maybe they have like more uptime things like that as well too i think it's one of the things where you know i think the market forces will like you know sort of assess that like the on-chain fees will, will be like a very like hard ceiling for what fees would be comparably but at the same time you can like have like you know a period of time where things like you know go you know wax and wane so one thing that like uh I think it's interesting, which I guess, like, do I have this data? It's like, you know, for, for example, like, you know, you can actually look at the current, like, advertised, like, uh, you know, fee policy of every single node in the network to see, okay, like, you know, like, what's the, like, average fee rate on the network right now? Is it, you know, 0.25%? Is it 0.5% as well, too? You can even, like, you know, watch that. I think, I think, like, a cool graph would be, like, you know, what's, like, the median or average fee rate advertised compared to, like, you know, the, like, backlog of fees or the mempool size, right? So I think it'd be a cool thing to, like, you know, overlay over each other. You know, maybe there's some, like, you know, slight correlation, you know, there right now. I imagine over time, it, becomes a little more tightly correlated but it's something that you know maybe someone's like maybe, maybe someone has a bot and they're doing this already i don't know but like it's kind of like you know things as far as the, the design space there that you know people will definitely be looking at more more in the future but maybe right now it's kind of a thing where you know things are a little bit younger and they're fine because you know they're okay with losing some money you know on chain fees because bitcoin you know is up right so you know so they're cool with that <laughs> yeah yeah and so i maybe it's just over time the the tooling and everything and you know lightning dashboards you know lightning terminal mm -hmm. i know you have um that uh, mm -hmm. th th these terminals and dashboards allow people to maybe tune their fees like a little bit like a knob and you sort of see oh, okay there's a lot of congestion right now you know it might mm -hmm. be like in the future like if people say there's a supply chain shortage so therefore the cost of whatever this uh car is really expensive maybe in the future yeah, it's gonna yeah, be yeah. like oh actually there's a lot of miners moving over hash rate is down so lightning um fees uh lightning routing node operators have had to turn their fees up a little bit to compensate because they're paying more for on-chain fees to kind of manage the underground uh, undergoing liquidity but it's always this constantly yeah. shifting game because at the same time exactly you're batching things as well because you might be doing like a like you might be loop in loop out like batching mm -hmm. all these things in and out so it's it's, mm -hmm. I guess it's kind of complicated to see where it ends up. Yeah, no, yeah, it's definitely kind of like a very like interesting design space. It's probably like a bunch of really cool research papers to be written here, you know, some like master's these things like that as well too, like analyzing the space, things like that. So I think it's a thing where it's like, you know, because I feel like, you know, in Bitcoin, like typically like, uh, you know, the practice is super, it's typically like, like, you know, beyond like where the theory is, which is like maybe sometimes, you know, really people just like do the thing basically, then over time, people start to kind of, like, you know, formalize it more and more. So I think we would definitely start to see like a lot of people, you know, come up with lightning uh, as far as like, you know, how to like optimize your channel, how do you like select your channel, things like that as well too. Like, I think it's really cool 
cool because like you know, a bunch of like really committed people come kind of, like in the trenches, you know, doing these permutation basically, you know, advertising stuff on Twitter. There's a bunch of like telegram groups, like you have to like, you know, pay to get in, all this other stuff. So I, mean, I think it's really interesting that you kind of, you know, have like this like iterative process basically, people finding out, you know, all this knowledge, like spreading it and like then it's catching up with software, the protocol, things like that as well too. So it's definitely like a you know super interesting system uh, and one that obviously never existed before. Uh, and, you know, it's, it seems to be pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, any, I guess anything else before we wrap up, like what, what's your outlook over the next, you know, couple of months uh, in terms of what's going on in the lightning space? Do you have anything else you wanted to uh, bring up? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, I guess like as far as like where L&D is right now, I, mean, I think it's a thing where like, um, I think one thing we're starting to kind of like focus on is like, you know, making sure LND can like keep up with the scale of where Lightning is right now. So I think it was in the beginning, we kind of like, you know, make some decisions earlier on, like, because like, okay, maybe we're, we're going to kind of like, you know, serve like all the type of users, mobile nodes, Raspberry Pi, things like that as well too. I think it's saying, okay, well, you know, people are like running such large nodes, doing such large traffic, maybe LND can't really keep up. So we're definitely, you know, focus on basically making sure, which obviously it's a good problem to have. Okay, they have 10 million invoices. Like two years ago, that was like, you know, that was fake, but now, now it's actually legitimate. So we're definitely working on making sure, you know, LND can like, you know, keep up with that like new load. Uh, it was starting to work on, you know, kind of like standardizing a bunch of other things like happening in the protocol and things like LNURL as well too. Starting to look at kind of like, you know, what, um, you know, Taproot kind of like allows for, for, the, for the system as far as like, you know, having more expensive types, things like that. I think the other cool thing that like, you know, you definitely can't ignore since coming up with more and more is kind of like, you know, like DLCs, how those interact with Lightning itself and how we would do on chain, you know, who's going to be the oracles, things like that as well too. Because I think, I think at that point you definitely have like a, you know, really cool you know, set where like, you know, if I can have that like in my channel, I can kind of like, you know, enter into these different agreements. Maybe I can like, you know, do certain types of hedging. Maybe I can like, you know, try to like express like my view, uh, you know, on where things are going. I think it's a bunch of really cool things, you know, in there, there. It's also kind of like obviously the continue evolution on pool, starting to basically do things like, um, you know, like have like streaming interest rates, you know, things like let me, you know, kind of like let, let, let me kind of like, you know, sell the cash flow of my lease payment to you, you know, over time as well too. I think there's a bunch of like, you know, really interesting areas there. And just also just generally kind of like, you know, making things like loop more efficient uh, as far as like, you know, like having less things on chain, kind of like having these like, you know, temporary swap channels. Um, definitely like a lot of really cool things uh, people are working on right now. It's just like a, uh, you know, a few things there. I, I feel like the, I feel like the hardest stuff about this stuff is always like, you know, picking what to work on because there's just so much stuff. There's so many, there's so many opportunities, so many opportunities, you know, options things like that. Definitely, have, you know, to be like kind of like a little more disciplined and focused and like try to focus uh, on like what you think, you know, is like the biggest value for the, your users at the same time. But then you also acknowledge that okay, well, people probably fill that niche on the side that maybe we ignored, but that's good because like you know, it's, that's just kind of like the, the marketplace. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what's happening in the Lightning Network. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. Thanks for all that and. Um, yeah, so listeners, make sure you follow Lalu. You can find him on Twitter. His handle is at roastbeef, and you can find Lightning at lightning.engineering. Uh, anywhere else you want people to find you, Lalu? Uh, yeah, so like, we have uh, you know our Twitter account. Uh, that's just like twitter.com slash lightning. Uh, definitely check out the GitHub. Uh, that's github.com slash lightning network test LND. And then also the, the specifications, kind of like what we talked about, the bolts. Uh, those are right now, or github.com slash lightning network test lightning dash RFC. Uh, and there's definitely some some you know initial um, you know, points as people start to like interact with things and you know join the community. Excellent. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. This is, this is dope. Get the show notes at stefanlevera.com slash 289. Find me on Twitter at stefanlevera, and I will see you in the Citadels.